Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Archivist Bet on Sexy Witches. I am your co-host, the Enchantress of Nevermore, Raven Jasper Hawk. Not with us, as always. Is... <laughs> Raven, are you there? And suddenly we lost our co-host, Raven. I don't know if you can hear this or not. Uh, this is the cuz, Aaron, uh, talking to you from Orange County. Um, Orange County. I'm not quite sure what's going on. <laughs> yeah, crazy tacos. I thought I got cut off, so I just logged into the yeah. chat. <laughs> I thought I was gone. It but I sounded was like it time. for a second that you were, yeah. <laughs> okay, so already, I mean, we were just before we went on air, we were just talking about how, uh, this is going to be the weirdest list we have ever done for the yeah. twenty for the past year's film wrap up. So I think it's appropriate that we should have the weirdest opening to the show that we've ever had before. <laughs> but you're you're introducing yourself. Uh, you should yeah. Hi. That. What's up? <laughs> hey. Yeah, you know, well, living the dream. Yeah, a lot of things have been happening. Today is going to be our exciting, like, kind of recap of all things. 2020 in the movie world and Liz will talk more about that when we get her back um, and so oh man since we last spoke we lost a couple of people and we the, did uh, oh my gosh in the movie and TV world I think the biggest one that hit first uh, since we last talked was Cloris Leachman um, yeah. but I, I bet Liz will want to talk a little bit about that. So since I'm here, Dustin Diamond. Yes. Uh, screech from Saved by the Bell. Now, as a Saved by the Bell fan, we have lost Mark Paul Gosler about six times to Internet rumors. Hey! So, hey! <laughs> hey, she's back! Hey! hey. Hi. Welcome back! Hey! Hey! How are you doing? I don't know what the <laughs> happened. Oh my God! Welcome to the first technical glitch of 2021, ladies and gentlemen. 
Tammy blows talk without some kind of dead air or hellscape. Okay. Yeah, I thought I got dropped. We all thought we got dropped. Oh, my God. So welcome, everyone out there in radio land. Uh, This is the head hauntress, and I believe you've been already talking with the enchantress of Nevermore, Raven Jasper Hawk, and my cousin partner of crying, Aaron Captain Pigtails Kogan. How you doing? <laughs> I'm I'm hanging in there. I I don't have the horrible storms that y'all have. It wasn't that bad here. It just lasted for three days. But um, you know, up where okay. my friend lived, um, in John Hazel, he got thirty inches. So, oh my god! Yeah. So, Raven, my co-host. Yes. How are you doing? <laughs> I am living the dream, my friend. Living the dream. Welcome. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Um, Steve, the Wizard of Wandling, may or may not join us tonight. Uh, he Ooh. was going to, but a tree fell in his neighborhood and knocked out all the power. So, oh, oh, for uh, the love his, of my... His girlfriend wrote to me, so I tried to remind him, don't forget, oh. a cell phone is fine. Just call in. Of course, that could help <laughs> him. You know, that doesn't seem to be working, but that's another story. Uh, at least we're all together. Um, so I did not hear anything of what you guys were saying ahead of time. That's so good. We, we were just, just talking shit horrible about things you about constantly. You. Yeah. That's it. It was kind talking. of an intervention, but without you, you know, we were kind of, you know, getting ourselves, stealing ourselves. Our right, we're like, finally, she's gone, it's our show, and then we did our tap dance number. <laughs> did did um, my music play? Did, did the theme song play? There was yeah. music, yeah. Very long. And then, and then, very, very long, and then dead hair. <laughs> and then I thought I got cut off, because I'm Cause, brilliant. Because I, I was trying to play music, but okay, well, maybe we'll try some later. Uh <laughs> Yeah, uh, we well, just you were on talking the about, about what uh, you were going to play. Dead people. Yeah, I decided yeah. on um, "Blinded by the Light" by Weekend because that's like the hot shit right now. So, but that was really okay. just a last-minute decision. It wasn't really inspired or anything. Um, I, I, yeah, like Raven said, we were talking about those that had just recently passed away. Yeah. Oh, yes. And that was actually, um, thank you, because it was funny, because I actually asked Steve and Aaron about Dustin Diamond, and I didn't even, because I I thought, first of all, I thought, thank you, Raven, for being on the show. Thank you, Aaron, of course, but Raven, for a moment, I thought wasn't going to be on the show, because she's having some issues with with things that would make it hard for her to talk. So, but then she creates me. I'm a huge Diamond, Dustin Diamond fan, and I'm not really the right person to talk about Dustin Diamond because um, Saved by the Bell was slightly past my time, but I was not a huge fan of it, even though I did watch a lot of it. Um, but, you know, um, you know, I, but, uh, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but it does, it has a huge fandom. Huge fandom base. So, yeah. uh, and it had a revival, and Dustin Diamond starred in the revival this year. So, I wanted Raven to talk about that. And then, of course, Cloris Leachman, who's been a staple of genre forever and ever and ever. And Aaron actually got to see her in person. Uh, so, uh, yes. if, I would like you I to. I got a hug. You got a hug. So, who wants to go? Does I got a hug and a picture. Her? I guess Aaron's already going. Raven, you you'll hold Dustin for a no, minute. Raven. Ra- no, no, Raven was uh, was already started. Okay, Raven, 
I just wanted to catch up where I was, so go for it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I had I had really just said that like the the only prep that Saved by the Bell fans have had for this is the internet rumors that killed Mark Paul Gossler like six times because he huh. did a made-for-TV movie in the 90s where he was a heroin addict and he died in that movie, spoiler alert. And someone took the plot of that and basically said it was real. And that rumor oh comes God. up, you know, every, it recirculates. And so that's the closest, like that fear of, oh, my God, did this actually happen um, that we've had regarding our little bubble? Uh, what pulled mm. me in to Save by the Bell is that Zach Morris happened to look exactly like the boy I had a crush on. And so the more of Save by the Bell I watched, it was like the more time I had with my crush. And so, therefore, hmm. I really wanted to study Kelly Kapowski and see what she did because it worked to get, you know, obviously my doppelganger of my boyfriend to be. Hmm. <laughs> so that's what sucked me into this world. And, you know, 20 after school clubs later, um, I, I was still, like, stopped liking it ironically and sort of started liking it unironically, too. <laughs> um, it, it's really cheesy, but everyone is having a really good time. They don't take it seriously. The main character can stop time. Like, it's just stupid, and it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, Dustin Diamond was always the nerdy sidekick um, clown of the group, and um, <laughs> really had the best comedic timing in the show, which the bar is kind of low because it's like kids TV, but (laughs) um, he was still always, um, you know, a a delight. He always had really fun roles. He usually got to do the drag bits. Um, And then after, after Saved by the Bell, you know, the new class and the college years, any Saved by the Bell, anything, even if every single cast member will not sign on again, Screech is there. Now, uh, hmm. Dennis Haskins, the principal, also did pass away. It was a little bit different because he didn't feel like one of our peers as a fan, you know. <laughs> it was still sad, yeah. but um, when you're a kid, everyone old is just old and therefore susceptible to death. Uh, hmm. <laughs> now, a well, lot and of he wasn't things, that old. He was only 44. He was diagnosed yeah. with stage four lung cancer three weeks prior to his passing. Wow. Um, but a lot of people don't know that in addition to the, his acting, he was also a triple black belt in karate. What? Um, yeah, and he was also a chess master. So after Saved by the Bell, he also did celebrity boxing, and he was up against Horshack from Welcome Back, Cotter. And right. he kicked the shit out of Horshack because <laughs> he's a fucking fighter, and Horshack is 5'2", and like 65 at the time. The day oh after, God. he kicks Horshack's ass and like gives him a black guy that appears within 30 seconds of being punched. So he really wailed on him. He does a stand-up show in Portland at a bar called Dante's where he opens for the lounge kind of weird owl, Richard Cheese. And oh, he did not Richard. fare well there 
uh, people were already mad at him because he was a TV kid. Kid mm. actors who do stand up later have a, <laughs> you know, there's another barrier to cross. You have to like earn your stripes yeah. again in stand up. Um, and it was it was fine. It was a solid act, uh, but the audience was very unkind to him when I saw him. And after That's he kind left of the stage, unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, it sucked. Mm. They were kind of I, I would I wouldn't have been like that if he had opened for Richard Cheese. My I, group I was got, cool. I got to see Richard Cheese all the other guys in the first sure. concert after his car accident. It was kind of a big deal. Um, oh wow! So, yeah. So, um, but yeah, no shit, man. Uh, 44 is way too young. And they said, what was it? Cell cancer, like a really rare, bad cancer. Mm -hmm. Fuck cancer, once again. Fuck Um, cancer. Fuck cancer. Um, So, uh, anything else? You really do know a lot about him, Raven. I know a lot about the stupidest shit. So anytime you need (laughs) someone to talk about stupid shit, I'm your girl. Right on. I think it's a say hi to him when he left the stage. He had two huge bodyguards, and they were oh. kind of pushing me away, like, just it's busy and tired. But I think he was hmm. kind of crabby because everyone was a royal cock to him. Uh, but yeah. he, he, you know, he really did seem like a well put together kind of person. When you see the other castmates' tweets, they legitimately seem heartbroken and. Uh, Tori Spelling had a really nice thing to say because she played his on-screen girlfriend. He was her first yeah. on-screen kiss and her first on-screen boyfriend. And he helped introduce her to, like, what you're supposed to do on set and <laughs> kind of helped her. Uh, so that was kind of cool to hear. It's nice to hear when our nice are nice. Mm. So on the opposite end of the spectrum, from someone who lived a very long, long life and had a long career. Um, we can yeah. move to Cloris Leachman, who was, if any genre fan knows, Cloris Leachman has been there from forever. I mean, she's done oh it my all. Gosh. She's done it all. Yeah. But of course, I always go straight to Frau Bruger um, from Young Frankenstein. <laughs> you know, I should have had oh, a horse her, lady. Her comedic ready to go. chops were insane. Uh, that. And uh, her nurse Diesel in High Anxiety, also Mel Brooks, are just I, they I, in in movies where there's Mel Brooks is at the top of his craft and everything is clicking and there's a lot of good actors going on. Uh, she somehow manages to stand out, which is kind of astonishing. And as you say, yeah. any genre fan has to know her going. All the way back to the Twilight Zone, um, uh, the the, the uh, I guess he, she actually ended up playing Billy Mummy's mom a couple times, but uh, that was when I think I first uh, noticed her. Before I I got to see Young Frankenstein was in the uh, the episode where Billy Mummy uh, plays a, a kid with uh, psychokinetic powers. And he wishes bad people into the cornfield. And it's so annoying. It's a good life. And oh my God, yeah. he's evil. Uh, and it's a great episode. And she's she's astonishingly good as she is in everything. Uh, when she won her Oscar, and she she was nominated a bunch of times, but when she won 
for the last picture show, it said I just watched that, that, that Richard, for the first time. Did you? Oh, I've man, never seen so it. Good. It's on my bucket. Some of the shots so in that good. are so effing good. It's really but, um, great. There's a very emotional scene with her, at which she reportedly did in one take, first take. And when it was mm-hmm. done, uh, supposedly the story goes, Peter Bogdanovich said, you just won an Oscar. And yeah. in fact, she did. Uh, but yeah, if you want to talk about um, some of her uh, other genre work, uh, she's uh, uh, Wonder Woman's mom, uh, Linda Carter, Wonder Woman, in the TV series. <laughs> uh, she's old Marceline in Adventure Time. Uh, if Steve were here, uh, he would tell you about her being Granny Goodness and all the other DC things she's done. Um, uh, I really I saw her fell in, in an episode of Night Gallery. Yes, the day, yeah, she totally yeah, did. Yeah. So, yeah, she and she's so and, and young. I didn't recognize her. Um, and I Mary Tyler Moore her actress. She's going somewhere. <laughs> yes. She was so good, and I, I mean, so acerbic. Uh, I, I fell in love with her there. But uh, yeah, I, I mean the Muppet movie. Well, she's in everything. And was, well, and she was in Phil. She was Phyllis in Mary Tyler Moore and her own spinoff. Yeah, right? and then um, her own spilled out for Phyllis. Um, Facts of Life, which yeah, has its own no, huge I, following. People love yeah, her for that. I was a huge fan of Facts of Life back in the day. Uh, oh, really? I don't know okay. if I should admit that, but it's true. Um, <laughs> <am> I might. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I, it's funny because, you know, I'm actually going through her, like, career, and it's ridiculous. I'm only to the 50s, and I'm only a third of the way there. Mm. Um, and, and she was in, like, Lassie for, like, a season. Uh, you know, she like, was so she was, like, good in everything. Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, yeah. Oh, she I was, I saw her. oh my God. And then um, she did uh, the voice of the old witch um, in... Um, uh, spirit, Spirited Away. Uh, she was the yeah. voice of uh, Kayo in Ponyo. I keep forgetting um, about the American, she was part of the American voice cast, which people don't realize yeah. it's not a dub. They actually write a specific script with really good actors, usually, for the American script. Yes. Yeah. So, She's um, Dr. Doofenshmirtz's mom from Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> Any Phineas and Ferb fans here? You know, I only, just you started like watching. Phineas and Ferb? Just a little bit. I oh thought, my was god! It, isn't that the Enter the Florpus? Is that that them? No, oh, no, no, that's no, no, no. That's that's Invaders in. Um, Invaders. Phineas and Ferb are two brothers, Disney, um, and they do all kinds of wild, wacky inventions and things. Uh, and they have a platypus who's secretly a, a secret agent named Agent P, and it's awesome. And Dr. Doofenshmirtz is the evil scientist foil of Agent P, who's actually their pet platypus, Perry, but nobody knows that. And she's Dr. Doofenshmirtz's mom. And then she was also um, uh, Zoya in American Gods, season yeah, one. Yeah, I, I was looking at that. I was like, I totally, that was oh, yeah, that's I right. I totally forgot already. 
I, I'm pretty sure that was the last thing I saw her in was that. So, I think so too. You know, she did a lot of voice work. I mean, you mentioned Adventure Time, but she also did Iron Giant and she did, oh my God, she's done so many like voice acting. Beavis and Butthead to America. I mean, you could, you could go. She, 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 her, it's not like her, it's a random, but it's just very like, I don't know. It's not a random list of movies. It's just a long list of movies. Like, like she's in Beer yeah. Fest. I mean, you got right. Oh like, my God. The, the horny grandma. Yeah. Holy so, crap. I forgot. So, I mean, she just, it's just like so much stuff. I mean, it's so amazing. And, we, you know, she's almost yeah. like, it's like, like grandma is left us again. So rest in peace, Cloris yeah. Leachman. I mean, she lived a long, wonderful life. And uh, I should Thank probably, you for all those things. I probably should do a Repo Nerds episode with the last picture show now. Because I haven't mm. seen it. So, Good choice. Uh, and there's and a, a sequel that I haven't seen. I haven't seen the sequel or the first one. Raven, what would yeah, you I say you it's... saw it for the first time, right? Yeah, I just happened to catch it before it went off Criterion last and, month. And how um, do you feel about it? It was beautiful. Um, it, it's black and white. It has a western feel um, town. It kind of I like I like movies where there's one sort of um, epic <laughs> that we're leaving and one that we're going into like the Wild Bunch we're leaving the West and we're going into technology and this is like movies aren't selling right now because you know Vietnam's more important <laughs> mm. you know. Um, and so the, where the where's the money going? And you're kind of creating these ghost towns. And um, yeah, it's like the story of a dying town. It's it's really beautiful and um, you know as deep as you want it to be. Excellent. Mm. Uh, so um, let, let's change gears and um, talk really quick about um, two things. One, um, I wanted to not brood on it too much, but I was. I would say I used to give a bunch of uh, like side awards when I was doing my top 10 countdowns. And one of them was biggest disappointment of the year. Um, and mm, I would I say by say. far, <laughs> by far, and I'm sure all of you feel the same way. Cause we went out on it as our final episode of season six it was wonder woman. <laughs> 84 was such a, like, I don't even know what happened. I can't even. I'm not as disappointed as everyone else seems I'm, to be. I'm, I'm baffled. Baffling baffled. I uh, don't know what happened there. And I'm not even talking about the whole controversy of her sleeping with her boyfriend with somebody else's body. Okay, I know there's that too, but uh-huh. no, the whole movie just kind of falls flat. And I think it's the script. Because mm. if they, they could have done a small tweak at the end, spoiler alert, and because the, 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 they were continuity wasn't even right. Oh, my God. Like, like <laughs> all these things, you have to rescind your wish, right? And the only yeah. person, two people did not rescind their wish. One was uh, Cheetah, obviously. 
um, which they were, which by the way, Kristen Wiig was good. Don't get me wrong. Kristen yeah. Wiig she was totally slid. awesome was in so it. Good. The best thing about the movie, the sequence when they're in the White House, that action sequence was actually really good. That was the one saving yeah. grace of that movie. The rest of it I found frightfully dull. Um, and but which is like horrid thing to say. Oh my god, it makes me awesome. But like his son rescinded <laughs> his wish, and I felt like the whole thing about him trying to save his son. He hadn't thought about. He was trying to end the world. Why didn't he give a fuck about his son? He never really put that. All of a sudden, he had the huge change of heart. Didn't feel earned. Um, you know, but. Like mm. his son, if his son, his son is the one that wished greatness on him. So the person who needed to rescind his wish was his own son. Now, if they wrote that into the script, that would have been a much more stronger motivation and would have been a way cooler ending. I just want to say that. I, I liked that he was uh, a stand-in for Donald Trump, with uh, his dad not liking day. him and all that nonsense and every. Oh, Ugh. totally. I, I would uh, bet you. Oh my god. Anything. I hate, ugh. And I'm not. I don't want to like like point fingers at Pedro Pascal because I think what he had to do is kind of a thankless job. It's a really hard superpower to show wishes uh, on camera yeah. and and gather, and gather energy. Like Cheetah obviously <laughs> goes through a metamorphosis physically, you know, and he doesn't really do that, right? So that, I thought that his too. suffering with the, the physical ailments was really well. I I really liked the film. It made my top ten. Okay, well that's cool. I'm glad someone <laughs> liked it. There, there's an audience for all movies. I mean. You can't really, I mean, what am I going to say? I will re- watch repeatedly Manos, Hands of Fate, right? So, I mean. <laughs> I would totally give Wonder Woman 1984 another view today, tonight. I would do it. Uh, for for one thing, the, the two opening action sequences uh, on Thermoscara and then uh, in the mall are fucking awesome. Yeah. Love them. Love them. I love the mascara. I wish that we could spend more time there. Um, but uh, so, and um, I would say let's hold off till the end. But if there's time, because I slated a lot of time today. Um, so, because it's our premiere episode, and our guest host, I believe, is on the line on hold right now. Uh, you may know, remember Horror Happens Radio podcast, which is no longer, but. There's still plenty of it out there to listen to. I highly recommend. JK has been interviewing people for years. He actually taught me everything I know about podcasting in one in my first press pass at Days of the Dead. Uh, it, it was, you know, he's he 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 like got me past my fear, and uh, and I will never forgive that that was really awesome. And we have one of the best photo bomb pictures of Kane Hodder ever. <laughs> so. Uh, so uh, he graciously has joined us tonight on our round robin for the best of 2020. Um, so we're going to bring him on and introduce everybody. And then at the end, if there's time, uh, Raven or and or Aaron, if we want a top Golden Globe nomination since the Oscars did not drop today, my intel is incorrect. Uh, we could do that real quick because a few genre p- um, pieces did make the Oscars. I mean, uh, the Golden Globes this year. So, yeah. but some of them are on my top five, so I don't want to talk about them yet anyway. So, anyway, let me bring. I haven't even looked, so I don't even know. Uh-huh. Okay. 
with no further ado, please welcome to the show uh, <laughs> filmmaker, horror host, and podcaster extraordinaire, Mr. J.K. How you doing? Elizabeth, it is great to be back on Aaron and, and company. It's wonderful to talk with everyone here again. And uh, Elizabeth, if I taught you everything about podcasting, you're in a lot of trouble, young lady. Oh, my God. <laughs> you Why would you take that? advice from me? Oh, my God. You, <laughs> I, I, I knew how to interview, but I was totally afraid to approach people. And you you broke that ice for me, and that mattered. Because after that, I, like, started stalking the people I wanted, and I used the word stalking. <laughs> Um, and I land the interview. So, I mean, and I, because of you, I've talked to some of my favorite people in the world indirectly. Uh, Jenner, awesome. Jen, Jennifer Aspinall and Sarah Trost. I'm now a filmmaker with the Trost family because indirectly. Right. So, I mean, I, you know, uh, I met <laughs> Jill Six and Jessica Cameron through you. Uh, you know, <laughs> so, I mean, well, it's. It, it, it's just kind of like the circle. You've you've been there, so thank you, thank yeah. you. And you've been one of my favorite cheerleaders, even when you're grousing at me. And I appreciate the grousing because mm. you you are the best at constructive criticism. I know out there too, and I appreciate that also. Well, thank you. I appreciate the the kind words and honest words from you. And and my advice for all you listening out there: stay in school. All right. Don't don't do what we do. <laughs> Stay in school. Get a job that actually pays. I'm just kidding aside. Um, I, you know, I do <laughs> have a job that pays, and it's kicking my ass Well, right there you now. go. This is a release for you. But it's great to be here. And and you know what, Elizabeth, you're 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 one thing though. I will say, horror happens is still around. Believe it or not, it's on SoundCloud, oh. and yeah, I just well, dropped three new it out there. Yeah, there's still, and it's so funny because I did in this sort of like interview slew, Elizabeth, that I'm doing. I went back and looked at all my SoundCloud and my old website. Do you know, starting back April 2015 to now, we are looking at almost 1,300 first time guests and close to, I think it's 16, almost 1675 in interviews that are on SoundCloud. It's insane wow. the stuff that you look back on and the people you talk to uh, throughout the years. I've been doing this almost a decade now in different incarnations, and it's been a wild ride. And now I can add the tag of filmmaker with the, the short film I'm putting out there on the festival track. Yeah, uh, I was going to say you now added filmmaker to your resume. Yeah, filmmaker. Is, you know, yeah. and talk about your film really quick. Well, well, you know, it's called Within the Frame, and it's it's my first student short film. Uh, as I went back to school, I'm 44, and during COVID time, instead of sitting around figuring out what was next, I went proactive, and I went back to Montclair State University, and I did my first short film I've done in, you know, three years, I think, and it's a really great urban legend tale uh, that hopefully will play film festivals coming up this summer. Um, as I submitted in, but digging into the darkness, which is the other thing I'm doing right now, Elizabeth, yeah. is uh, a, a new series at Montclair Film that's virtual starting February 21st, and it's featuring five films that are currently streaming on Netflix, and, you know, for a small fee that supports Montclair Film and, you know, gets the word out on these filmmakers, 
you're going to be able to talk with them in an hour-long Q&A moderated by me via Zoom. And it's going to be uh, every Sunday night for one hour. And it's all part of the, uh, the, the first season that we're kicking off in partnership with Montclair Film, which has been amazing to work with. And films like Stephen King's 1922, Darklight, 1BR, uh, The Black Coast Daughter, and Freak. Those are going to be our slate of five films that we've uh, we've got the, the creators and producers uh, to be a part wow. of, uh, you know. And you can go to MontclairFilm.org and register now and, and join us. It, it's, you know, it's a tough time for everybody with COVID and the aspect that you don't know, you know, where certain things are going to be because the uncertainty. But this is something that fills the void nicely, Elizabeth. And I know, um, you know, everyone that's listening out there, can understand that there's a, a hole that's left with no conventions and, you know, primarily virtual film festivals. And this is that chance to go screen to screen and talk to the talent, ask questions as fans, peers, filmmakers, nice. and much more about them. Um, question. Is this Montclair, New Jersey? Is this the same theater that I'm thinking it is back in, that I used yes. to go to back in the day? When yes. I was in Mon- yes. I... No, it's not the Claridge. It's not the Claridge. That theater is, is coming gone, but it is Montclair Film is across the room. It's this beautiful 50 seat uh, or 40 seat screening room, and it, it's got so many amazing educational uh, programs that go through it. But you may very well, Elizabeth, have uh, crossed paths with Montclair Film in the past. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I saw City of God and Brotherhood of the Wolf. Yeah, that was the Claridge. I saw the last thing I saw there was yeah. Parasite before they closed down. Nice. And I'm sorry to hear that yeah. they closed. I love that theater going uh, in Jersey when I lived there. So um, that's very unfortunate to hear. But um, I'm yeah. so glad. That, um, it is awesome to know that you are working with Montclair Film and you're going to do this virtual Me festival. Too. And it's a crazy little lineup. Uh, so yeah. uh, uh, Freaks is amazing, obviously. Uh, yeah. But, you know, uh, it's one I of those be... films. It's one of those films, Elizabeth, that you're better off not knowing anything going into it. It really is. Unfortunately, but... I have a really bad habit of knowing too much about a film before I go into it. <laughs> Touche. I agree with you, young lady. Yeah. So, um, so uh, let's. Um, we can talk. We can do some more shameless plugs and stuff. We actually have a caller, so I'm gonna bring. I'm gonna bring well, the who caller. Who am I on the call with? I, Aaron, uh, Aaron, how you doing? Goodly. How are you? Good. Are you stuck in um, snow, or what's going down with you? Well, I'm I'm in Northwest Jersey in Blairstown. We had over a foot and a half of snow, so this is like Ooh. the equivalent of like three storms of the last five six years here in Jersey. And I've been I've been basically snubbling snow. Yes, yes, snubbling snow. There we go. Let's go with that. Let's have another <laughs> one. Uh, snubbling <laughs> snow for basically the last three days. It's been crazy. Dude. Wow. Uh, I live yeah. up there in Lake Copatcong, <laughs> and you could get a decent snowstorm, but that one is crazy. No. I think. Hey, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, Lake, where in Lake Copatcong? Uh, Woodport. <laughs> really? I lived in Bayview Road. I lived in Copatcong on the other side of the you bridge. Know, Bayside Drive, you turn right off the main road, and there's that little, yes. little dump now. I lived in those <laughs> little apartment <laughs> complex. Wow, no kidding. Man, it's a small yeah. world, guys and gals. I, I knew we lived close to each nice. other. I mean, we, we talked about, I think one of the first times we met, we talked about Sterling Hill Mine. So, I mean, right. clearly. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. 
That's right. That's right. Who else is on the call? I think someone is Me. calling from Jockey <laughs> Hollow, New Jersey, too. So I'm going to call them in. Oh. No. So let me see. Uh, hold on. Because uh, it would be 973, I believe, is uh, your own. Oh, that's the the Yeah. Oh, my Lord. Wow. Hey, Liz. How are you? Ah, it's Mr. John Hazel. How are you doing, sir? Hey, Kim. Hello. Hey, John. Thank you hey. for calling. So, you are welcome. Uh, are you listening in? Uh, yeah, I just uh, I just saw your message that uh, you had uh, your blog uh, radio podcast tonight, and I figured I'd listen in. Excellent. Nice. Um, I'm gonna put. I know you like to listen through the phone, so I'm gonna put you on mute if that's okay, John. And we're sure, going I'm- to do, we're gonna do our countdown. In just awesome. about a moment, and if you, uh, I'll bring you back on if you want to bring in your number one when we get to our number ones. All right? Okay. Sure. Excellent. See you on the flip side, Mr. Hazel. <laughs> See you. All right. Um, so, all right. So on the line right now, we have Jay and you said and Raven and Aaron and you guys go ahead and do your. Hi, thing. Raven. Hi, y'all. Hello. <laughs> One coast to the other coast, man. We we represent East Coast. They represent <laughs> West Coast, man. I mean, it's clearly what's exactly. going on. So, Word up. Uh, <laughs> so I want to talk about this year's countdown, which, by the way, this is probably the weirdest globbed list I've ever made in my mm. entire life. Not all the films on this list are good movies, but they get yeah. points for various <laughs> reasons. Some because I saw them in theaters, and some because they just kind of stuck with me, and they kind of are semi-autobiographical of the year I had last year, which is kind of crazy. Um, so, uh, mm. but but the rules are on the round robin. Have Jay, have you done a round robin on my show yet? Because we do these well. I don't think so. This will be a first. I'm a virgin. Be gentle. Okay. So round robin, <laughs> we we do each person takes uh, reads their top five. We go we do in descending order, five to one. Uh, okay. And and so you would talk about your film and why you have it in five, and then people would respond, yay, nay, woo, you know, whatever we do because we're geeks, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and then and then we uh, move on to four, three, two, one. Now let's just say that you read a film and then Aaron had it higher on the list. You are allowed to go to your lower part of your list, your seven through ten. Uh, and and pick one of those to bring up. Six, so okay. you can always talk about a film, no matter what. Even okay. if it wasn't. So and okay. um you're allowed two ties and two honorable mentions. And I know you're gonna stick mostly to horror in your list, correct? Yeah. I'll be primarily <laughs> horror horror in the little sci fi thrown in there. Excellent. Nice. And um I mostly me too, actually. Um so I think the as the guest we're gonna have it's gonna be I think we always do it this way. I have this Believe it or not, I visualize a table. And Jay, you're to my left, so I'm going to have you go yeah. first. So Jay, Raven, Aaron, and then I'll go last. So that's I always go last because it's my show. All right. <laughs> so, so I go first. Yep. And so you, you're going to read your number five. Number five is the documentary Leap of Faith, which is Alexander Philippe's conversation with William Freakton about The Exorcist. Ooh. That sounds sexy. 
Yeah, it is. It was a hell of a hell of a documentary. Alexander Philippe has done incredible work. He did the Aliens doc. He's done a whole slew of stuff. And it's just basically footage and the conversation. It's as basic as you're going to get. But Freakin is so entertaining uh, as, as a subject. Mm. And he's got such a great um, chemistry with, with Alexander on it. And interviewing Alexander in the past for some of his documentary work, including 7852 and the Alien Sox, he's a master at being able to uh, cultivate horror stories and get the truth out of people. Fantastic. And where can, and can, is this available where people can see it now? Uh, yes, it's on Shutter. Shutter, most excellent. So Shutter. that's number five. Now, has anybody? I actually have not seen it yet. I, I will admit, I no. usually have seen films this time of year, and I've actually been binging TV, so I haven't watched it yet. I'm a bad, bad critic. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> You've been my queue, but I haven't watched it yet. Okay, it's on my queue. It's absolutely on my queue. Um, so fantastic, and that's what I love about having different people on because all of the all the films that matter will get covered with the round robin. Just watch Jay; it totally works. So yeah, we go. Good. <laughs> so Jay, we're gonna move on to Raven. Raven, you ready? What is your number five? Yes. Uh, yes. Let me quickly preface. Uh, as always. I feel like the first couple months of the year, I'm still catching up. And because the Oscars have been pushed back even more, I know there's going to be more 2020 movies that should be on this list that aren't here simply because I don't have access to them yet or they're just not available or I didn't have the time. Well, same here. We're going to do an Oscar specific episode closer to Oscar. Oh, yeah. So, so uh, my number five is David Byrne's American Utopia. I saw which that. Is, hmm. Yeah, it's streaming on HBO. It's directed by Spike Lee, uh, and it's based on hmm. David Byrne's 2019 Broadway show that was based on his album and tour that wow. has the same name. It has some old songs. It has new songs. Uh, what's really cool is that it's all wireless. All the instruments are wireless and all the microphones are wireless. So the band is moving everywhere. Um, the backup dancers are also playing instruments who are also singing, but not always at the same time. It's kind of like performance already. David Byrne's getting a little bit old, so his choreography sort of looks like modified Pilates done by a bizarre <laughs> mirror world David Lynch. But it works. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, wow. If you've Great. heard of the 80s, I think you'll like it. Um, it's hmm. just, yeah, it's, it's, it's good for this year, too, because even though it does talk about really deep shit, it's so abstract at times you don't have to let it get to you unless you want to (laughs) so in that sense it can be cathartic when you need it to and it can just be an enjoyable piece of music to have so yeah check that one out still on hbo good times number five nice nice and yeah i saw it too 
it's it's very entertaining, and they do my favorite songs from um, the older uh, from uh, Stop Making Sense. So I was pretty happy about that. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he is aging, but you know, it's still David Byrne after all. I mean, so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of the Laurie Anderson concert movie back in the day. I can't think of her it what it was called now. It reminded me a lot of that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I would recommend it, especially if you like uh, New Wave or David Byrne or Broadway. And and shout out to, and we'll talk about this more later, um, to all the Broadway shows that are being put on streaming right now. Yay. Shout out. So uh, if more people see it, the more people will support it. And uh, we need to, right. it, you know, we need to support these, these kids. The kids in the line need help. So, um, you know, absolutely. So awesome. Aaron, we're all theater geeks yes. except JK. JK, are you a theater geek? You live close to New York, so you probably go to shows, right? Yeah. I, I During my time, during my years, I've been to my share of shows. Uh, the last one I saw was um, Jersey Boys, actually. That was a couple oh, years yeah. ago because things have been so oh, crazy. Yeah. And what a great show. God, what a phenomenal show. Yeah, we're, we're all theater geeks. Uh, Raven works for a theater when there's no COVID. And Aaron yeah. used to be a food waiter, and he's the Pirate King. And, of course, <laughs> I, I, I did my fair share growing up as well. So we're all the nerds. And I know all musicals. It's ridiculously embarrassing. Uh, well, so. I was going to say, I've, I've done more Gilbert and Sullivan than I care to admit. Oh my God! Same there. There was a time I could sing the entire trial by jury. Ooh, nice! I can't do it now. It's an hour. I could actually sing it when I was like, my mom made me learn it. Anyway, I'll do it. When you were talking about putting Broadway musicals on tape and getting them down for everyone, all I could think of was, God, I hope I get it. I hope I. But I, (laughs) I somehow managed. To hold myself back is what I'm saying. Uh, you don't have to hold yourself back, man. It's our premiere Such episode. Good, God, radio. Good radio. I need a job. No, no. Let's not. <laughs> All right. Oh, wow. Aaron, and you're very musical. Number five. Well, actually, my number five does uh, uh, center around music quite a bit. It is Soul, which I oh, believe oh. might be the first Walt Disney Pictures Pixar combination from the two of them. Uh, right. Don't don't quote me on that. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but uh, I really enjoyed this. Uh, there's a little bit of controversy about you know making making a story about people of color by a lot of white people, but uh, I think they did a pretty good job with it. Um, well, uh, musician, and, and the music is definitely like both. Best of both worlds. So I oh my can't god, really it really it. is. John Baptiste, which uh, I know from uh, the Late Show with Stephen Colbert, um, does the jazz stuff, uh, and it's phenomenal. And then Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross do the film score. And again, I everything he does uh, for film, I just freaking love. Um, I forget what Natalie was watching the other night, but I said, that sounds like Trent, and it was, and it was brilliant. And uh, the Golden Globe Awards uh, nominated uh, Soul for Best Animated Feature Film, 
and best original score today. Wow. Oh, well well and a lock for, for scoring odd for Oscar. I mean, it's and going to be big, big, big uh, applause for Jamie Foxx. Um, one of my favorite uh, animated roles. It's, it's one of those roles where you just go, God damn, if, if they were nominating performances, for animated films, which they never, ever effing do. They should. They should probably do that, because yeah. he gives a damn good performance. Uh, yeah. Voice actors, definitely, I, I, I think there should be an Oscar for that, and an Oscar for stunt coordinator. Um, yeah. Which I really want to see stunt coordinator first, though, because that one's way Amen. to do. Kane, once again, I always say this, because I'm going to say this until it happens, Kane Hodder would already have an Oscar if there was a stunt <laughs> coordinator. For photobombing? Uh, he is the best at photobombing. Uh, I will say, yeah. I mean, that is still my favorite, one of my favorite photos of all time. So yeah, uh, it's know, a great one. It. Oh my God. And I wanted to say that I have soul at number four. So I have uh, soul at number two. Oh, wow. So no soul for me. Sorry. No soul for him. He, so you have no soul. I have there no is- Aaron. Amen. <laughs> no, it is about death and the afterlife, which and it's kind of heavy in some ways. For in Which some ways, it, it's a not a kid film. If I know. want to do that, I'll watch Mr. Boogity on Disney Plus. If I want to watch oh, well, a yeah, Disney Halloween <laughs> horror film. And Bride of Boogity, right? That's the second one. And Bride of Boogie, very nice call. Well said. Yeah. Uh-huh. I thought you'd go Incredible Mr. Limpet. You fooled me. You threw well, me yeah, I was going to say even Coco. Huh. I mean, I could go Coco for <laughs> oh, you know, I love the Coco. aspect of the celebration. We've talked about so. Coco on this show extensively. Um, Freaking love I, Coco. Yeah, so uh, I was so worried about the cat. That was the one problem I had yeah. with Coco. It's like, but they show show you that the cat gets its soul back because like he traded, uh, he sent the cat to heaven, and I was like, whoa! But you know what I really love about soul is is the 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 there's the those ranger guards in in the nursery, mm-hmm. and they look like the exact same drawings I saw when I went to go to the Jean Moreau Museum in Barcelona. Like, wow, I totally the, get that. Yeah, and so I thought that was really cool. So wow. Yeah. Uh, so uh, there's I, a little making of on uh, Disney Plus where you can also see it, and I recommend because all the variations they go through of what uh, heaven, the afterlife, the the station before, whatever you want to call it, uh, is really fascinating. I want to say that the barbershop sequence is one of the most beautiful things I've saw. So in good. Class. Um, animation wise it's gorgeous the people it's really hard even in computer animation to animate people and they just look even though they're stylized they all look real and it's just and the the script in that sequence is so good too for that matter Um, so I I, that's why it made my list was the barbershop in particular and was that that sequence so um so that's my number four. So that means I get another film later. But right now we're going to go back to number five. And I have my only day, my only horror film in my top five. Oh, boy. Here. Go ahead. All right. And th- I want to give a preface because, once again, I said most of these films have to do with periods of my life. And as you know, I went through a lot of transitions last year. 
um, including right. losing my marriage of uh, of 19 years um, in an instant over the summer. Uh, and as I was going through what's called crazy time, which is the first six weeks, I saw this movie. I probably shouldn't have seen it because it gives you ideas you probably shouldn't have. But it has stuck with me ever since. And I really like I, her films. Veronica Franz makes very disturbing. Oh, The Lodge. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, she makes extremely wow. disturbing films, but she also writes with a very competent hand. And right. I want to say the opening sequence of that movie so nails what it's like to be going through a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> nails it, it without it, even wow. talking yeah. about it. Uh, it yeah. you know it, it was so so good and you know she walked like the whole idea of her like subtly putting on makeup but keeping it flesh toned so she doesn't look like she's wearing too much right um to the point where he offers her coffee because that was what right. they would do but instead he goes and gets instant and puts it in front of her exactly. And, and you know what, Elizabeth, the shock moment of that film, no one sees. No one sees that coming. Yeah. And and it's not a supernatural movie at all, nope. uh, you know, nope. but it it's plausible. I actually think it's a plausible film, uh, which is interesting because a lot of films with kids aren't necessarily plausible when it comes to, like, antagonists. And um, – the lodge just stuck with me. The performances are good. You don't even really the 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 poor. You feel for everybody. There's no one except right. for the dad. He can go, plop. What the hell? <laughs> His, he makes some really poor decisions. I just want to say that right now. Just a bit. He, just a few, and 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 it just ruins everything. But the 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 cinematography and the isolation. It's a it's a technically a Christmas horror movie, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, it just everything about this movie kind of nailed it for me, and and the to the bleak ending. So I yeah, I, as, I, I I liked it more than Goodnight Mommy. Goodnight Mommy. I just, agree too. Uh, so I I but I think both films really have something to say, and uh, and so I I think I'm a fan of Veronica Franz at this point. Me too. I'm a big fan of her. I saw this film back in 2019 in New Orleans at the Overlook Festival uh, where it played. And I'd be, I'll be honest, Elizabeth, I did not like it when I first saw it. I felt it was overhyped. But as I watched it more on the festival trail, it ended up at number nine on my list this year. Um, nice. Word. And I, I really, really came to love this film. And I loved, I loved the isolation. I loved how how they use the location, the snow, you know, how that tension is built, how things you, you you have to suspend your disbelief a little bit when it comes to this film, but it pays off so greatly in the whole aspect of, of where, you know, the, the lead, you know, the lead protagonist, well, I guess she is, I guess she kind of falls in that gray area, you know, with her background and where she came from. And, and then the twist with, with uh, Alicia Silverstone, you just don't see it coming. And you're like, what the fuck just happened? Oh my god, I can't believe that just happened. Two stars in the movie are in it for like ten minutes and out. Exactly, it's smart. It is, you know, uh, you know, 
And I will have to say, I would have issues breaking up with Richard Armitage, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's hope you don't go out with a bang, okay? No. No, God, no. (laughs) So did either one of you, Aaron or Raven, I'm going to throw it to you guys, have you seen this movie at the Lodge? No, but it sounds good. I saw it the day it started streaming, and um, when we did our list of top five anticipated trailers. I was the only one with it on my list because everyone was strapping their pants over midsummer. Um, Uh And so (laughs) it got lost a lot because of midsummer. I love both films, but midsummer has a place in my heart forever and ever. I love Uh, midsummer, but I feel like they came out the time that the lodge came out to the general public conflicted for a lot of horror fans because they were seeing Midsummer instead. And, and you um, know what? So if I, I may throw in something, yeah. wait until St. Maud, wait until St. Maud comes out and you have another yeah. story. Oh, uh, it's that. great. It's St. Maud is so good. I, I've, I've heard really good things. But it's going to get, you know what, St. Maud, they were so smart to wait on St. Maud until everything was clear. And they had an open slate. It's just, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. But yeah, The Lodge is great. The Lodge is great. Um, and Hulu, I think, was the first service to get them. I'm not, uh, to get it. Yeah, that's um, what I thought. I thought on Hulu. And, yeah. you know, I want to validate uh, what Jay said about maybe not liking it the first time you see it. Veronica Franz films hmm. often that I didn't like Goodnight Mommy the yeah. first time I saw it. Yeah. I, I rejected it. And I still don't. I, it's funny. I sit on it, and the more I sit on it, the more I actually think I understand it and appreciate it. But it's not a film that I want to revisit on a regular basis. I would watch yeah. The Lodge more than I would watch Goodnight Mommy. Um, and so, you know what, oh, oh, Elizabeth, you know, if you – if for people who don't like Goodnight Mommy, and I, I still don't like Goodnight Mommy, and I came in with that – prejudice towards the lodge see a field guide to evil which is out through draft house uh pictures it's a great anthology about horror the really you know kind of lesser known horror and folklore and urban legend around the world and uh, that combination you did goodnight mommy in the lodge does a segment for it and it's a brilliant segment and it really kind of endeared me more to them uh after i after my prejudice with goodnight mommy Fantastic. And speaking, Jay, guess what? You're up number four. Well, I got news for you. I'm going to guarantee that probably just about everyone has not seen my top five. So I'm I'm going to hedge my bets on that because my number four is actually one of the most intelligent films I've seen in the last five years. And I saw it at a film festival while I was judging, um, you know, in 2019 to 2020. It's called Minor Premise. And it's fascinating how, you know, the line of horror and sci-fi is really kind of tied into my list this year more than any other year. Minor premise, the whole synopsis of it is, is that this really brilliant Indian scientist who studies all kinds of neuroscience, he goes ahead and through his father's work and through the university, finds a way to break down the personality, all the personality traits into six, uh, I'm sorry, into 10-minute segments. 
So every everyone that's broken down is broken up into a certain amount of minutes. And he goes through every single part of the personality within an hour. So he's got to take on multiple roles with different definitions of the personality. And basically it's a chamber piece the entire time because he can't leave because of, of going through the constant stages of personalities, everything from the basic instincts of sexuality to uh, great, great bliss to the idea of, of being asleep to everything that we go through, he goes through in certain minute segments. The performances are brilliant. It's a great blend of, of sci-fi and horror. It's really intelligent. Um, it's very dark and moody. There's some really nice horror beats in it. And it's really surprising because it played the independent circuit. Um, it, it played the independent festival circuit a lot, but it was not a really well-known film. And I think it, it really, for who's ever promoting it, they're missing out really on this because it is a film that will challenge you. It's a film that, that shows you how well when you bring sci-fi and horror together, you can create something that makes you think and, and something that's a powerful piece of cinema. Well, and say it again for my audience, if you would, please, since it is so Minor, clear. You want me to go back through the whole thing? Because I was excited. I no, was no, it's just the title. Just the title. <laughs> um, minor, minor premise. And it's actually minor right now premise. on Amazon Prime. Yes. Excellent. Minor premise. Minor on, premise. On Prime. Yes, on Prime. On Prime right now. Yes. Awesome. Oh, right. Yeah. Brave. Brave. That sounds cool. I, I love time travel stuff anyways. I am like... I really like this whole COVID thing reminds me of that movie Endless. Yeah, <laughs> Aaron, Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson, The Endless, absolutely. Yeah, I Wait feel like. Wait Synchronic. Oh, my God. Oh, really? Oh, God. There's yeah, so, so many really. movies coming out. Okay, it's so exciting. Raven, we're still looking back at 2020, however. What is your number four? <laughs> Well, number four, I went and I know you went in, Liz, kicking and screaming. I did not go in kicking and screaming. I went in kind of twitching and hollering. Um, and the reason is, one of the reasons is, what happens with Broadway music is by the time it gets to Broadway, at least 10 years old. Because that's how fucking long it takes to workshop a show and get it on the street. Mm -hmm. So anything that's marketed as modern is already very dated. So when I first heard the music to Hamilton, I was like, this is awesome. I just time traveled, you know, (laughs) and um, this music does not feel relevant to me. It felt like when you know, jump rope for heart or dare to keep kids off of drugs or go to your elementary school and try to talk to you as like an equal, but they're really just pandering, you know, like you aren't my friend sitting backwards on a chair. doesn't make you cool. Shut the fuck (laughs) up. So that's kind of where I was going into Hamilton. Uh, (laughs) But once it actually started, and you see Lynn manuel Miranda, and you see how it works that he's using immigrants to represent the immigrant story, which, by the way, David Burns' show also uh, was all immigrants, all the musicians, and David Byrne himself being Scottish. 
All Immigrants is another show that utilizes immigrants to tell a story about immigrants. And it works so much better when you can see people's faces. The other thing that is so brilliant is somebody learned that they should watch the show before they film it. Uh, this mm. mistake happens a lot with oh my God. film stage yes. versions. One of the wow. worst, best worst examples is Cats, not the new one, but they did one um, 90, 91 straight to video of Andrew right. Lloyd Webber's Cats. And I think it was just like a three camera sitcom setup that was just already there in house. And then they edited it poorly just every five minutes. Like, let's just change cameras every five minutes, no matter what's happening. And this, the producers, the, the camera, the, it's awful. Right, yeah, that one too. It's like they've never experienced a show before and have no interest in what's happening on stage. And this is completely the op uh, um, opposite. It's close up when it needs to be. You can see choreography when you need to. You can see parts of the set when you need to. You can see background actors when you need to. Um, and it's just really energetic. It's probably the most charismatic I felt watching a live show from my couch like wow. you, you don't usually feel that kind of energy unless you are at a live performance but I still felt like I could imagine what that buzz was like and that was wow. good enough um, and then that kind of just made the music kind of secondary and then I could pay attention to how amazing the performers are because it's really about the performers for me um, and I highly recommend checking it out uh, if, I don't really like American history uh, I'm more <laughs> like if it I happened after it. Alexander that if it happened after Alexander the Great died I don't give a shit so um, <laughs> usually I don't care but this kind of hooked me uh, so even if you're not the hugest fan of American history if you like live performance at all, I would recommend it. And that's still on Disney Plus. Um, <laughs> you hold on to your butts. Guess what's at my number okay. one? Is it Hermel Tom? It's Ham <laughs> I I wanted to say what? that Hamilton ended up being a spoiler alert, my number one film of twenty. Wow. wow. When it came like it literally, we played it four times in a row, and you know how long that thing is. Uh, it's yeah. Over and over again, and and it's not just about the music and stuff. I already knew the music. I know the music by heart. I already saw the show. I I knew Hamilton. It's the direction. This is absolutely Raven. You are right. The best directed Broadway show I've ever seen on film. Period. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It, it is it the camera the problem is a lot of people don't know how to shoot Broadway. They don't know how to shoot musicals mm. to film. When you do a movie musical, you got to shoot it like a movie. You can't shoot it like like a dance number. You have to shoot it cinematically and you have to move the camera even on a Broadway stage. If you just shoot from a long shot in the back, you're going that's like that's me archiving my my seventh grade, you know, right. performance. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Which, by the way, exists. Um, <laughs> you know, 
uh, I was in The Wiz and The Wizard of Oz in seventh grade. Oh, um, God, I want to see those. I was a lullaby league. Yeah, but anyway, I digress. But no, uh, um, I'm a huge lover of Broadway shows and and theater. And and Hamilton was already a fan. Like, my daughter's a fan of that show. I'm a fan of that show. Uh, I worked American history. I worked. I worked in Morristown. That's where Hamilton met Hmm. Betsy Schuyler. They met there. There I mean, he's Alexander Hamilton uh, because I lived in Jersey with Mr. J.K., uh, you know, because <laughs> up in Morristown, New Jersey, that's where they hang out, the, all the revolutionary people. <laughs> and, they, you know, so, um, so I talked wow. about <laughs> the first time I went to New Jersey and I moved there, the very first place I went to is called the Washington Diner. I think uh, John Hazel wasn't with me at that that thing but he used to go there on a regular basis and the woman walks up to me and she's got this like fake colonial like like you know apron and then she goes do you want some coffee and I'm like yes I'd like some coffee. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it I was like it's real the accent's real I, I was so happy to be with you. I actually really enjoyed my time in New Jersey New Jersey especially around where JK and I live is really cool and weird there, you know, I, my my favorite haunted house I ever bid was a three dollar ticket, <laughs> and it was wow. Your firefighters there around the corner, and um, you know, um, there was this little storybook, little psychedelic little walkthrough that doesn't exist anymore. And they used to have a killer Christmas display. Uh, and oh, you're talking, are you talking about Hamburg in uh, yeah, Hamburg, yes. Yeah. Yes, yep. uh, that place was cool and weird. Um, yeah, you know, and <laughs> so it's there's and of course the real Camp Crystal Lake is north of there. Uh, you know, it, it, and there's a there's even the MGM uh, lion is buried in a pet cemetery nearby. It's cool. Uh, oh wow, Leo. So, yeah, so I know that area quite well, and there's also my favorite herb farm. The whole United States is there, but that's another story. We'll talk about shopping another time. So, there you uh, go. <laughs> so uh, we're at Aaron. What is your um, number four? My number four is Borat, subsequent movie film. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> um, I I freaking loved this. I mean. I'm a political junkie, so, I mean, it appeals to me, obviously, on that level. But it's just really well done. And the performance from Sasha Barra Cohen and uh, the young lady who plays his uh, daughter, Maria Bakalova, uh, they are phenomenal. Uh, I don't know how much of it's improv, but they're just insanely good. And... The film's received three nominations today uh, from the Golden Globes for Best Motion Picture, Musical Comedy, and uh, his daughter, played by Maria Baklova, becomes the very first Bulgarian to be nominated for a Golden Globe. Wow. I didn't know that. Wow. I didn't know that either. That's really cool. I mean, it made so many ripple. I mean... God damn, the past four years and the past six months of politics have just been a nightmare. Uh, I, I, I'll 
a nightmare on a nightmare on a nightmare. But I, somewhere in there, <laughs> this film made a ripple with uh, former New York Mayor Giuliani uh, digging into his pants, thinking he was going to get a little action with a teenage girl from from uh, Kazakhstan, and that's you know pretty creepy. You know, even when you add all his past creepiness, you know, like marrying his cousin and divorcing his wife on TV and all the other really, really creepy shit that makes up Giuliani. This might be the creepiest. Um, wow. I have it at number 10. I have it tied with ho- the host from Shudder, which nice. is the reason why I have them tied is because they both represent to me a COVID uh, for this year hmm. uh, because yeah. they were both, they were both shot under COVID conditions, which is yeah. kind of amazing. I want to say something about Borat boy, that he was able to still pull off that character and get as much footage as he did considering how who he is now and at one point he goes into a costume store, a Halloween store and there's a costume of him you know I just like to thank my state because a lot of where you saw Borat was in Oregon and um, especially the house he stayed at with the three rednecks, that's in Oregon. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. It is all that. Oregon is all that, except for Portland has all the hippies, all the white hippies that are like, we're not racist. We're only 97% of the population. And then Eugene <laughs> is like, we're Nazis. Ooh, let's start fires. And then everything else is those guys. Uh, and strippers. Wow. You can't leave out the strippers. There's a lot of strippers. Yeah, one of the very first COVID-19 drive-through uh, strip bars was there. And, and yeah, there's no they, have, they have a union in, proud. in Portland. I'm actually very proud of the. Uh, my, my, they, they're amazing. So, uh, uh, but anyway, I digress once again. So Portland, Borat. Borat was like surprisingly good. I, 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 yeah, I really, it really it. Was. Um, you know, um, so, and that's on. Hulu as well, or is it Prime? Amazon. Uh, no, uh, no, it. neither. It's Netflix. Netflix bought the right to to show it. Oh, um, the other thing I should oh. mention is Kazakhstan is actually using phrases from Borat movies to sell tourism to Kazakhstan. Hey, That's wow. how weird we are. More power well, to them. I mean, yeah, nice. I mean, so excellent. Uh, anybody else want to say something about the Borat movie before I, we move on? I will oh. follow up with that. I will make one correction, though, Aaron. It is Amazon Prime. It's not Netflix. Okay. I just looked oh, it up. Thank you. Amazon. You're welcome. No worries. Thank you. Thank you. No, no, no. You're Amazon. absolutely right. I was excited if it was on Netflix because I could actually watch it then. No, I'm so sorry. You're absolutely right. It was Amazon no, dude, that bought worry. it. But they, they didn't do anything to it. They just bought the rights to distribute it. You're 100% right. Oh my lord! Look at this! Oh my god! That that bathing suit is something else. Holy crap! It's <laughs> a mask. Is that what it is? Oh god! Yeah, it's you know a, what? It's, it's a face mask. That movie, uh, very early on in Borat movie, at one point they're talking about women. You know, you'll get your own women with cage, just like your friend. And her friends like are standing in her wedding cage, flipping her off. <laughs> I just <love> that. <laughs> Oh, oh god. my god, all the Melania jokes were so good. 
Neither were. Not unwarranted either. And Giuliani mm-hmm. and, and this was and, and Giuliani really showed his 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 true stripes in that film. Fuck yep. that guy. Fuck him. Uh, so yep. and it's too bad because yeah. I was there for nine eleven, but the man's kind of gone woosh. I don't know. So yeah, just a bit. Just a bit. Okay, so my number four was Soul. So I can bring something up. So I'm going to bring my number 10, which is my weirdest choice of this list. But it's once again another film that stuck in my head. Uh, and I saw it during the madness. And um, it's um, Nick Cage, The Color of Space, Out of Space. Uh, nice. I actually. Uh, nice. It's such a weird movie, uh, and the reason why it made the list was the llama sequence. I absolutely <laughs> adored the freaky ass, like thing, like llama, like oh, you know, Rob Bottin shout out. Uh, that was kind of wow. like that was my favorite part too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so epic. <laughs> so, uh, it color of space has gone through three. Uh, I'm sorry, color out of space. My bad there. Um has been remade now three times and I think this one got the closest while still completely missing the mark um, but it got a bonus point for tentacles so that was good so I'm going to turn this to JK because I'm sure he has a lot of opinions about this one so. Well, and it's my number three so <gasps> guess what I, I actually I there you go drop the mic yes Number three, and I'll tell you something. I was lucky enough to interview Richard Stanley for Horror Hound in Spain at Fishes, and it was amazing to sit down with him, and for a half an hour, we just talked about the film, and he had such amazing opinions about his previous work, how it affected it, and, you know, the visual work, the audio design when it came to this, and his love of Lovecraft, and I mean, Richard Stanley really is a filmmaker that's the, at the end of his evolutionary branch. He's one of a kind that's left uh, out there making films. And it's going to be the first of a trilogy that him and Spectre Vision, uh, Spectre Vision excuse me, are going to put together from what I've read um, about it. But I totally agree with you. It was an incredible film. Seeing it on the big screen in a couple different festivals was uh, – mm. it's a movie – Elizabeth, you have to see on the big screen. Yeah, you, you have to yeah. because, I mean, the effects are amazing, the colors, and to have a partner like SpectraVision, uh, Elijah Wood, Josh, and and uh, and company, it's amazing because they want to promote cinema and storytelling and visual presentation like this. And Color Out of Space was just it blew me away, and I loved it from the first time, and I've loved it more every time I've seen it since. I saw it back to back with Mandy, which I hadn't seen oh, before. Oh, there you go. You love Mandy. It was yeah. kind of a crazy AB, but you know what? I ended up liking Color Out of Space a little bit more than Mandy. Me too. So, oh, really? Me too. Wow. I agree. I agree. So, I, agree. I think Mandy is this gorgeous, freaking insane tone poem. So I, I, yeah. I adore Mandy, but I really enjoyed Color Out of Space, and I have it uh, tied at number six, actually. I don't, but I did enjoy it. Okay, cool. Because we saw that during the madness. I think we all saw it this year at the same time. Yeah. So, all right. So that was, um, so we are now to number three. And I believe you've already, we've already covered your number three then, um, Jay? Yep. 
you got my number three, so I'll I'll from the the remainder of the list um, whenever you want me to do that. Yeah, right now, just pick something. Right now, below. oh my gosh! Well, let's see. You know, it, it, it's for folks listening right now. You, you'll notice that for me it's all horror, and there's a lot of things I wish I could have watched, but I, I just did not get a chance to um, like I would have. But one thing I did do during the year, um, during COVID time, I went to see a couple movies actually in the theater, and I saw Tenant, which I was very disappointed in uh, for all the hype, huh. and there's a wide range of reasons. But I also saw The New Mutants, and I'm going to throw The New Mutants on there. It's my, it's my number 11 film. But I ah, love right on, and and I loved it because, you know, part of my growing up, I was bullied a ton when I was younger, and the X Men, the 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 mid nineties cartoons, reading the comic books, you know, getting ingrained in that mythology, what Marvel's able to do, and I can't wait to see what Marvel does with them in the up and coming phases of the of, uh, of the universe that they're creating. But I love the New Mutants. I know it went through so many rewrites. I know it came in with so much baggage and crap attached to it. Hmm. Simple story. You know, I wasn't expecting their powers to be overwhelming. I knew it was more of a horror film, but it wasn't even as much as I thought it was going to be. I had a problem, not with the castings, because I thought all the castings were relatively good for what, you know, what Fox was trying to do with this movie. But having Dr. Selena Rise, who's a, a really cool later on uh, X-Men character as the villain, I had a hard time doing and not having Mr. Sinister. And for those who follow the comic books, Fox never paid off in all the Wolverine, Logan, X-Men, and now New Mutants movies with a Mr. Sinister cameo even. So I loved it mm. for being a horror movie. I love the characters. I love the story. I love that they aren't afraid to deal with sexuality in it to a certain extent. But mm-hmm. if you watch Honest Trailers, there's a great website, yeah. Honest Trailers. They do one for New Mutants, and you don't realize how really, how really very, bla- very basic and bad the writing is for this movie. It's hilarious <sighs> for the dialogue that's just repeated over and over. But I put it at number 11 because I enjoyed it as a horror movie with mutant powers. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Nice. Anybody else? I'm so you? looking forward to this. No, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm dying Here to. I. If it was. In the theater, no, I would have been there stream, first yeah. day. I was reading New Mutants from the very first issue that came out, Amen. and the Demon Bear uh, yes. story arc was one of my absolute fucking favorites. Oh, it's so good. And it's such a coming of age in this movie, Aaron. And Lockheed, the way they bring Lockheed to the stage from a stuffed toy when she's when she's in, I guess, her human form versus when she goes and uh, – she embraces her mutation and is able to travel mm-hmm. into a dimension. It's it's for what they probably put into it. I was very happy with it. You know, it's a good adaptation right of what we saw with it. And you know what? If people got a problem with it. Fuck them. Amen. <laughs> I'm de- couldn't agree more. Uh, on that note, Raven, what's your number three? <laughs> if. If people have a problem with it, fuck them is how my resume <laughs> opens. That's uncanny. <laughs> my number three is called David Attenborough, A Life on Our Planet. Ooh. Ooh. Currently on ye olde Netflix. Uh, I <laughs> love David Attenborough documentaries, whether I'm paying attention yeah. or falling asleep to them. It's doesn't matter. Uh, they are perfect for any need. Just 
anything that's going on in your life, throw on David Attenborough. It's never the wrong choice. Uh, speaking of wrong choices, humans are terrible. And this is shown yeah. on this documentary because since Mr. Sir Attenborough has been doing this for decades, there's now comparative video of what these places look like now versus when he was there in the 70s. Oh, God. And it turns into almost a true crime documentary. Who murdered the wow. fucking earth? It was us. Wow. Uh, <laughs> it is Spoiler. heartbreaking. It's beautiful. It's David Attenborough knows what the fuck he's doing, you know? Um, so the, the new shots are great. Uh, but every time you see what should still be there, it really hurts, even though you know <laughs> none of it's surprising. Nothing here is surprising, but it's still just twisting the knife. Uh, yet he is someone who has never said, you know what, fuck it, I give up. Uh, and he's someone, I think, that can give us hope right now. And that's really hard to find. So if someone that fucking smart who has seen this deterioration is telling us, hey, we're not doomed, that's kind of nice to hear right now. We're not doomed is kind of what we need to hear. Uh, So that being said, whether or not you want to pay attention, just pretty nice pictures and music, uh, a life on our planet streaming on Netflix. Check it out. That sounds wonderful. I mean, you've got to watch that kind of stuff in HD as well. And yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I I put that stuff on when I'm working out sometimes. So uh, Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Aaron, what is your number three? Well, uh, coincidentally, my number three is a documentary. Uh, nice. It is The Way I See It. And uh, it's Peter Souza who was White House photographer during the Reagan years and during the Obama years. And it's an office that he fills, uh, so it's not like he's with a newspaper or anything, although he had done previous work for newspapers. And it's just, uh, again, (laughs) having lived through this fucking nightmare of Donald Trump, it's just... It, it was almost idyllic. It was almost like Civil War photographs and images coming back to when government was competent and people cared and there was empathy and it was. Uh, I don't, don't know. It was very, very. For, don't be nostalgic for, for, for the Reagan years. Don't do it. Don't do it. Or, or the Obama years. No, you're well, right. You know, I no, don't I agree with careful. 99.9% of their policies. You're absolutely a thousand percent right, and I did he, feel that. I, I like Obama a lot, but no, there were some issues in his resume. So no, don't oh, be nostalgic. Oh, there, there weren't issues. There were subscriptions. <laughs> I could I could go off. And in fact, when I was watching it with Natalie, it was you know, okay, I know, dear, I know, just shut up. I'm enjoying this because you know. Yeah, I, I was. He's, he's, he's at Standing like, Rock. Fucking Obama is at Standing Rock with Native Americans in Native dress, and I can't say anything because I know what's going to happen. But no, no, we'll look at the good pictures. But as a documentary, you uh-huh. you do look at the photographs as slice of his of history. And Peter Souza made some really 
excellent points because he's it's almost like a travelogue as he's going uh, uh, across the nation with this new book of the Obama years. Um, but we also get <laughs> a little bit of his shade that he throws by his Instagram account at Donald Trump, and that's hilarious and awesome. Um, but he says, pictures are very different from video, and we're, we're moving towards becoming a video society, but it's not the same. And as you look back on the the photographs that inspired him, uh, I, I forget the gentleman's name. I want to say Yamoto, but that's not right. Uh, but anyway, from uh, the LBJ years, when LBJ, I think, was the first one to bring a photographer in to document, not, not to have things pose, which, again, Sousa says, this is what Trump's doing. He's calling in a photographer to say, okay, everybody, pose now. We'll take a picture. That's not what Sousa does. All those famous photos you think of with uh, Obama, for example, holding a pair of little infant babies or that famous shot in the war room as uh, we're going to kill Osama bin Laden. All and that those one things is, are is candid. It was really good. Yeah, uh, and that's the yeah. point. All of it. He says his best, best work is when he's just disappearing into a corner in the wall and everything's going on around him and he's just getting it. And uh, it really works on that level. But again, because so much emotional shit's going down like Sandy hook, which uh, um, despite what Marjorie Taylor green says, Obama and everyone react to it. I can't believe you mentioned her right? on my show. Go wash your mouth out, please. <laughs> well, if, if you prefer, I can fire my secret Jewish laser at her, my secret Jewish space laser. Well, you are you are Captain Pigtails. That, that might be. I am know. Captain Pigtails. If so, anyone would have a secret, secret Jewish space laser. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but, yeah, if you get the chance, I, I recommend the way I see it. Um, just a really good documentary. Uh, it'll give you all the feels. You can currently rent it on Amazon. Nice. Cool. So none of y'all are going to have my number three. <laughs> um, because of the way I bent the rules this year. Usually I don't, I only allow open releases, um, you know, wide releases for the top 10 and with, with, and not counting last year's Oscar nods, but this year I was allowing that or, if you saw a television or a, or a movie that from the past or from the present that really, really was better than anything else you saw this year, I was allowing you to squeeze that into your top ten. And I have done this here with an older film. I'd never seen it before. Uh, it'd been on my shame list for most of my life, to be honest with you. Uh, but I think I was waiting for this year to see it because it was absolutely the right movie at the right time to see. And I, on the Sunday that Pennsylvania went for Biden, I saw Citizen Kane, 1941, for the very first time. Wow. Uh, yes. Um, wow. It's as good as everybody says it is. It was exactly like like Charles Buster Kane is Donald Trump in a different life. If he was smarter, but it's the same yeah. kind of story. A media mogul running for president. The only difference is is that the sex scandal actually gets him. He loses because of it. But calling fraud 
on you know using the media to call fraud on the votes everything is there it's all there it's like we're reliving like real life citizen kane right now or we did yeah. you know um and and you know of course that character is based loosely on william randolph hearst so here we go we're we're, we're is this just some weird loop of 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 assholes that huh. we keep giving money to and worshiping and then they like totally betray us in the end is, is that going to be the lot of the united states for the next 20 years <laughs> i mean is that really like or even longer i mean, it just seems like the more that things change the more they stay the same and i couldn't believe yep. how apropos this movie was i was like oh my god nothing's changed since the 40s this is exactly what's happening now and and i i was so if you've never seen it go watch it folks um i know there's people out there like myself that never saw it um but knew about it i knew the big secret i knew about rosebud i i knew it was irrelevant um and that wasn't what I, I I absorbed every single minute. I just sucked it in like eyeball my eyeballs. I couldn't stop watching the movie. So I wanted to give a shout out to Susan Kane and my boy back in the day, Orson Welles, knowing what right. the future was going to hold for the United States. 21 years yeah. old. Yeah, yep. that's insane. Wow. That's insane. You know, Elizabeth, I really wow. thought when you were going to when you were going to tell us you were going to say Home Alone two because Trump's cameo in there that needs to be pulled. <laughs> oh God, no! Oh my God, I worked at a movie theater that played that movie. <laughs> oh my God, the audience that went to see that movie—you don't even want to know what I cleaned up in there. Uh, we'll leave that for another story. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I, I can tell you. Maybe we should do an episode where I talk about my Usher days at the Dollar Theater in the ghetto because it, it was uh, and that was my very first job. I'm very proud of it. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> anyway, no, no, not Home Alone Two. Fifth and Kane is is incredibly good film. And one thing I like about Orson Welles is that when he's shooting, he's not shooting in black and white. He's using the black and white to make to come as for his composition. And that's it, it. It matters that he's actually taking the color palette into consideration. He's not just shooting a movie like some people would. So uh, you know, I think a lot of people owe a lot of credit to cinematography. Um, but anyway. We can move on. That was my number three. And so, I mean, guess what, Jay? We're almost there. We're at number two. Wow. What is your number two? Well, number two, you know, I'm glad that I didn't know the rules of this because, you know, if I had known the rules of this, I would have just fucked it all up. So I'm glad I didn't know the rules. No, I don't pressure my guests. Only my my co-hosts. Oh, my guess. Well, I, 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 just, yeah, yeah. well, I was going to say because everything I have is available for people to see. I checked everything. Yeah, while, while we were right. going through there, and the call is my number two. The call okay. on Netflix is a brilliant, brilliant thriller that you sit down and each time you watch it, it gets better and better and better. Has that? Has anyone seen it? No. Which one? There's no. two that came out in 2020. The call. I the saw Korean one of them. Film, the call. No, that's one I haven't seen yet. <laughs> okay, oh, so the, oh, the foreign one. Okay. I the foreign, and yes, it's a crime horror mystery. And basically, it's nearly two hours long, but from the first moment that you see the protagonist come on screen, 
the young girl who's lost her father and her mother is basically dealing with terminal cancer, you automatically are hooked and invested. And the, the narrative kicks off, you know, you think, well, this could be a really sappy, you know, painful, you know, Korean drama. Very stylized, very beautiful, beautiful, wonderful, amazing lighting. And, you know, of course, you know, you have all that there. But then she loses her iPhone or she loses her, her smartphone. And as she goes to try and recover it using the technology sitting in her the house that she basically grew up in where, you know, all these events that are going to unfold throughout the narrative happens, she gets a call from a girl from 1999 and basically – the whole premise of the movie is that that girl is living with her stepmother in the house back in 1999. Why the current girl, uh, uh, Sue Young, um, you know, that's her character's name, is living in the modern day. And the girl who is there, Young Sook, um, with her stepmother, her stepmother is a shaman. So her stepmother believes that she is possessed by a demon. And so the whole narrative goes through the two hours of these two communicating with each other. Think the lake house, but with Korean and horror and sci-fi, you know, from the past to the present. And as it goes through, you find out that these characters are anything but protagonists as secrets start to unravel. And just like with any great time travel film, if you mess with Doom, you're doomed to repeat it. You're doomed to deal with the consequences. And it's absolutely stunning. These performances are stunning because you feel like you can connect to each of these characters. All the, the, the terrible things they're going through, the angst with their family, the joys of, of one character getting back something that she's been missing, the other one uh, experiencing a freedom that she's never had before because she's been under this religious eye of her stepmother. And as it heads towards the final act of the film – it turns out into an all-out horror action film, and it's just absolutely wonderful. You never expect a lot of the stuff to come, and these characters are really, really layered, and it's really powerful storytelling. And it's one film that you need to sit down and not have anything planned because you'll go by with the two hours, and you'll be like, oh, my God, that was two hours. That flew. And it's just wow. amazing. Yeah, it's incredible, incredible storytelling. And it's, it's Korean cinema. And, you know, if you're a fan of Korean cinema, you know the art and beauty that goes along with the storytelling. And this is a great blend, just like um, my number one will be of time travel, of science fiction, of horror. But at the core of it, there's a humanity to it. And that's, that's a big theme for my list, including minor premise. There's a humanity within this darkness that we see with the call as well. Well, that sounds. I love time travel movies. Oh, it's wonderful. I'm totally gonna watch that. Where's that? I mean, it's Netflix on Shutter. No, Netflix. Uh, No, that's Netflix. That's not what's the call. Okay. Yeah, adding it right now. What's the other call? (laughs) Um, What's the other call? The other call. Oh, the other call. Let's see. I have to go into my tracker because. It's a Brad Anderson. It's right movie. here. Yeah, it's. Uh, oh no, that's that film. Horror mystery, Timothy Woodward. Oh. It's um, not the right word. In the fall of '87, a small a group oh. of small town friends must survive the night in the home of a sinister couple. One of those. Oh ones. boy. Mm. 
Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was a movie. And that's on Hoopla. I, I missed yeah. Baby J. Um, the rental. How was that? Because I missed that. I that was one of the films that. I wanted to see, and I didn't get to see Wait, that hold on, hold on. The the call wait the call that's the one with Lynn Shane Tobin Bell that's what that one is okay oh. I know what that one is now yeah no you're that, Raven I, that that was actually a very unexpected horror film and that's way different yeah. it's very much campy horror when it comes <laughs> yeah. to it yeah it's very much campy horror when it comes to it um the nice. rental um oh the rental was very unexpected I saw that as part of the end of the year lineup. Uh, was it on Shudder? I believe it's Shudder. No, it's on Prime now. What was it on? It's either Shudder or it was uh, IFC Midnight. It's one or the other. It might be IFC Midnight. Um, but the rental was very unexpected because when I saw who was directing it, Dave Franco, I didn't put a whole lot into it. But then I saw Joe Swansburg, who is known for your next. He's a, a great screenwriter, talented actor. He co-authored the screenplay for it. And this film basically takes place in one location. It's your typical kind of unexpected, voyeuristic house where these people don't know that there's things going on around them until it's too late. And by the time you you finish the movie, it really gets under your skin because you never know who's in a residence, especially when you go to an Airbnb, what they've set up, what's around you. What do you know that they don't know? Is there a camera in that air duct? Is there a camera on the night t- a nightstand? Are there people watching you? What's the shadow outside? It builds a great paranoia to it. Cool. I just wanted to ask that real quick while I had you on the line because I've been it's in my top of my queue and I had, just have not had a chance to watch it yet. Um, so uh, we so I'm thank you for that and I'm going to shoot You're back welcome, to yeah. to Aaron and his number two. I had a turn. Oh, wait a minute. Did I not give it to wait, you? Yeah, no, no. Oh, my God. Never mind. Aaron, sit tight. I'm a bad, <laughs> no, no. bad, bad away. host. Bad host. It can tell bad him. Bad llama. Bad llama. Oh, <laughs> that's the second big mistake. Well, third, if you count that technical difficulty tonight. All right. So, Raven, your number two. I got all my excited. Number two. <laughs> my number two was Soul. Yeah, so, so I'm pulling from my number six, which uh-huh. is interesting since you just watched Citizen Kane for the first time. Yep. Uh, oh. Number six is Mank, streaming okay. on Netflix, uh, yes. uh, nice. directed by David Fincher and starring Gary Oldman as Herman Mankiewicz. And it's uh, about him writing the screenplay, trying to get it written in time for the release of Citizen Kane Um, and he was originally brought on as a script doctor so he wasn't supposed to be credited at first. As the writing continued he's going hey this is kind of pretty good maybe I do want my name on the credits. Um, So more is told in this story um, and we know if we've seen Citizen Kane, it is co-credited with Makowitz as the writing. So we know he got his credit, but getting there is kind of an interesting story. Um, Gary Ullman and um, Charles Dance is hiding out in there, too. He's always a joy. Yeah. Just his voice. <laughs> he can... 
uh, he can gloom the phone book at me, and I would just scream all night in <laughs> elatement. Like, just beautiful. Uh, this is done in black and white. I don't know if it needs to be. Uh, there's some stuff where you're like, I guess we need to see Orson at some point, right? Uh, when we do have him, there's kind of weird angles because maybe the actor doesn't look as much like him as he could, so they're trying to hide that a bit, but then the angles look different than anything else. So are these just Orson Welles angles, or is this trying to hide the fact <laughs> that you cast it weird? I don't know. But, the, you know, there's some weird stuff like that where it gets a little TV movie, like really good TV movie E, and then the rest mm. of the time it seems like a theatrical release. But there's not really a sense of evenness the whole way through. But Gary Oldman alone is worth it. If you're interested in Citizen Kane or film history, it's also worth it. It's um, also and that's on, on Netflix. Too. Yep, yep. Um, nice. and yeah, now it's, you gotta uh, watch it. Oh, I have to watch it's it. Tied and it also, up, it, it got also Golden Globes six. for yeah. Best Drama nomination, and Gary Oldman yeah. up for a Golden Globe as well. So uh, I think it might be up for writing too, but I'm not sure. What do uh, you think of the uh, cigarette burns and all the little things they did to make it look like an oldie film? Did that um, add to it to you, or? Um, I thought. It was a little gimmicky. Um, I, have the same uh, I don't find it necessary. I think it would be fine without it. Um, it didn't really bother me, though. It wasn't distracting. I didn't know what me. it was trying to tell me. You know, what, what are you trying to do to me by putting that there? <laughs> well, I think my impression is that David Fincher being, I haven't looked at the trivia or the making of or anything, but David Fincher just being who David Fincher is, exactly. he might have recycled some old film. Um, and filmed on top of it. So I think some of them are actually um, errors on purpose um, because that is how Orson Welles had to film a lot of the time. He was using old film that didn't have shit on it, but it was just like the end of other reels. He, he was using right. tales. That's what they call right. tales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I think David Fincher actually did that in spots, and that's what he was trying to – he was just trying to emulate the filmmaking style more Mm, um, hands-on way. That's my guess, but it didn't really come off that way, and you couldn't really tell because it looks so good. It could also have just been digitized. (laughs) Yeah. That's my guess. Okay. Excellent. Cool. So, yes, uh, I'm so glad. I'm so sorry, once again, that I skipped you, Raven. I apologize okay. again. I feel humbled and, and meek. No, the whole uh, time I was just like, I'm after Jay. Don't forget, I'm after Jay. Don't forget, yeah. don't forget. I like, I remember. So, uh, Aaron, you're next. And you are for sure this time. Um, this time for sure. Uh, my number two is the trial of the Chicago 7. There's, um, there's, uh, there's the yeah. Oscar nomination for Sasha Baron Cohen. People are almost positive. I'm pretty getting, sure. I'm pretty sure. My number ten. Oh, right on. He definitely got the nom from the uh, Golden Globe Awards. Yep. As a matter of fact, uh, <laughs> there was a story just before we went on that he has threatened to have Giuliani sue the Golden Globes if <laughs> uh, the trial of Chicago Seven <laughs> or Barat doesn't win. Um, because he's Sasha Baron Cohen, but um, he's amazingly good in this. A huge fan of Aaron Sorkin, who wrote it and directed it. Uh, the writing is not Sorkin's best, 
but it's still that wonderful crisp uh, clip along. Does he do it uh, in your breath and he tries to everyone talk like this the whole time? <laughs> no, thankfully. Wow. Um, That's but yeah, point. it's it's a fucking timely film. Uh, it's uh, really uh, definitely evocative of the the time involving the riots at the Democratic Convention. And right. as a matter of fact, um, one of the Chicago Seven, uh, Rennie Davis, just passed away. Uh, I believe oh. it was yesterday. Oh, I didn't hear that. Oh, I yeah. didn't hear Wow. Oh. Neither did I. And, it's a timely uh, movie be- on Netflix. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I believe, let me see, did I write down where you can see this mother? I think, what do you know? Yeah, Netflix. Yeah, it's Netflix. It's, it's, yeah. You should see my queue. My queue is like, these films you guys are talking about, they're all at the top of my queue right now. It's kind of <laughs> and that, But I can't That's watch what I, always, I have all my stuff. Like, everything gonna, open so I can add everyone's movies. <laughs> I've just been binging movie TV, which is terrible of me because I usually don't binge. I know. So, uh, my number two. There's a brand new seat. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Aaron. Finish up. Oh, there's a brand new season of Disenchantment, so I've got to start that. Now. Yeah, I have. Oh, even I need to do that. Started too. Yeah. that yet? Uh, I, gosh, but I also I've been watching. <laughs> anyway, well, I actually want to do an episode, probably the next one, about TV binges because I've been binging so much television. I gotta talk Back about it. So, sure. but but going back to movies and COVID. This movie, my number two, was the first film I saw after COVID. So it so it has a very, very soft place in my heart forever and for lots of reasons. Because, first of all, I don't usually call, as you know, I have issues with nostalgia. This hit all the nostalgia notes exactly how I wanted it to. Um, it, it was at the drive-in. So I love going to the drive-in. Jay, do you go to the mm. drive-in sometimes? Because the Warwick is is not too too far. From yeah, it's the worth Warwick the drive. also down in Vinland as well. There there's still some drive-ins surrounding Scranton. I think it, it might still have a drive-in. So yeah, when I get the chance, I do. Yeah, I, there's one here called the Benji's Drive-In. It's got the largest screen in the U.S. Um, and um, it's really cool. So if you ever come down, I will take you there. Uh, and so I saw I saw a couple of things there this summer, uh, but um, this movie was exactly what this world needed right now because it was so. This was in I August, and, and and it was like <laughs> watching a breath of fresh air, and it was and yet so familiar, and it was Bill and Ted face the music. Yes. Oh my <laughs> lord! Oh god! <laughs> excellent. It was oh, excellent. God. Yes. Oh my god! It, it it like first of all, what caught my attention was immediately Samara Weaving is in this. I was like, oh my god, Samara Weaving, and, and the, the kind of like this immediately launched me into the film. Besides the the whole Bill and Ted and the time travel. Once again, science fiction and time travel. Jay, I absolutely adore that stuff. Yeah, it, 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 stuff. It, you I know, and I. Love the original Bill and Ted's movie. I I saw that movie yeah. in theaters. I've watched it yeah. repeatedly. Uh, the second film, not as much, but the first film, yes, I watched that movie. I'm a history nerd, and that movie made me laugh and laugh and laugh. And George Carlin is just, you know, 
he was the best. And I actually um, think that Kristen Stahl was a totally good person to pass the mantle to. That was a correct answer. Um, and uh, it it actually the continuity from the previous films was there, and I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, so it it just kind of like and there's this positive message about unity and getting together and how music brings us all together and and it is cheese ball and it was exactly the kind of cheese I needed at that moment after having such a wow. shit summer. So, uh, like I said, everything here is not necessarily the best films I've ever seen, but these films definitely are autobiographical in their own way. Uh, so that was the that was the uh, the first film I saw at COVID when they started releasing the uh, new new film of the year. So. Very cool, very cool, and excellent. <laughs> Anybody else actually the... see it? Yeah, no, um, and I just realized like. Okay, I cannot remember the actress's name. Samara Weaving? Yeah. Who did she play? She played uh, Bill's daughter. Okay. The blonde. She's the actress from Ready or Not. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. I had no idea that was the same person. Yeah, Yeah. no. I saw her with Samara Weaving. I'm kind of a big fan of her. I mean, she seems to have a pretty solid catalog. She so has quite I, a range. Yeah, I like her. That Joe Lynch movie, Mayhem. She's in that too, yeah, right? She, yeah, she is, I really yeah. like that movie a lot. I, yeah, I saw she's that, great. You know, yeah, I saw that. You know what? Can I bring up something? Time. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Can I bring up something? I yeah. wonder if Bill and Ted is actually the Matrix 4 because you've got Mr. Smith's daughter <laughs> with Keanu Reeves right now. All right? Yeah. Am I missing mm-hmm. something here? It's like, it's like, it's such a crazy world. It's such a small world it, living when it comes to cinema. <laughs> it is kind of a weird a world. Comic, they actually talked about that and made some jokes. Did they? That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Oh, that's so so cool. that was my number two, and it was also nice. it, I was on a date with when I went to oh. see it. No, so there was that nice. COVID date. It was one of COVID not my date. first date, but it was you know one of the early dates when I was trying to date. Were you six feet away? That's my question. There. <laughs> from from my date, kinda. Yes. <laughs> that kinda, one I was. Okay. That one I Perfect. was. You no. Know? Uh, <laughs> Uh, this is the only this is the only season for Valentine's Day you could get someone a hazmat suit, so we're good. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Finally. <laughs> Finally. There you go. Trying to uh, I don't know, trying to date during COVID is something that, you know, of course don't uh, get oh me my started. God. Uh, so yeah, we, we could do that. Maybe that's our Valentine's Day episode. Oh, uh, you wanna do <laughs> Valentine's <laughs> bitch about how much bullshit this is? Yeah. I'm into yeah. it. Hey, ranting sometimes is needed. So, um, so are we at number two for Aaron, right? Or no, I say number two. So we're back to number one. Oh my God, number we one. are here. We made it, Jay. <gasps> this is your ultimate 2020 film. If you go back in your hat and look at a film from 2020, this would be the one. What is it? Well, fits really well because the theme of of responsibility and the consequence of power runs through my entire list, whether it's the leap of faith with the idea of horror and religion and the exorcist 
minor premise with intelligence and a discovery that will, will change yourself when you experiment on yourself, or The Color Out of Space, which was number three for me, where you, you're dealing with an alien force you never were expecting, or The New Mutants, where you know they've got their powers and it's a coming-of-age story, or The Call, where you could change the future. Well, number one for me is Volition, and it's available on Amazon Prime. It is by far one of the best films I have seen over the last decade. It's as independent as you're going to get, but it is layered with amazing performances. Um, I'll get to that, though. The story talks about a man who has been afflicted with clairvoyancy. Okay? He's clairvoyant, and the problem is that he can only see his future. So as he goes forward, the the power that he's been given um, wears on him, and basically his life goes into the toilet. He uses his powers for uh, an organized crime boss uh, who's also his cousin. He, he's a real scumbag kind of character, but there's something endearing about him. And he's played by Adrian Glenn uh, McMorrin. Um, and Adrian brings this character to life so well. You feel for him. You, you come to really invest and love him. But at the same time, you realize that he is carrying so much weight from having this power of seeing the future. And as he sees the future, because the story kicks off where he gets this premonition that he is going to die. And the whole story, the whole movie is about unraveling that mystery. And it's surrounded with a, a great female lead uh, played by, by uh, Magda uh, Ampelwich, who plays Angela. And then you've got a great cast of villainous antagonists that kind of give a harken back to, like, the old New York-style mafia, you know, where you've got these really sleazy characters, but, you know, you kind of like them because they're cool and they got the great dialogue and stuff like that. Um, and as the movie goes on, you, you start to go from kind of a time travel drama to a sci-fi film because you realize that his powers are coming from uh, something that he didn't even know. So there's a lot of mystery surrounding in each layer of the film. It's like a great, it's like, it's like a great piece of, uh, it's like a great piece of candy. Each layer that you go through, it gets better and better and better. And until the third act where all of a sudden all these storylines turn from drama to sci-fi to horror. And you start to see all these different premonitions and how the pieces are put together. It's smart. It's well-written. It's well done. It's got great independent sensibilities. It's done by a brother combination, uh, Tony and Ryan Smith. And I'll tell you something. I have not seen a story that kept me as engaged um, that had horror roots like this in forever. And Volition is a film that you sit down and you need to watch it more than once because it's got a complexity to it that keeps you hooked, keeps you intrigued, challenges you. And the great characters, the great narrative, the great, uh, the great writing that goes along with it, and the really smart cinematography is amazing. And there's one thing that this film does more than anything else. The sound design matters to a point that it's, it's almost a unique, original kind of sound design to understand his kind of situation, the POV of what he's going through with this power and this responsibility and all the events that have followed because of it. Wow. Wow. Um... And it's when it, where that can they find it? Fantastic! Is it on Netflix? Uh, they said. 
It's uh, Amazon Prime. It's Volition. Amazon Prime. Volition. Yeah. I have it written down. So minor premise, the call and volition. I've written all those down. So uh, yes, check I'm it gonna out. Definitely catch wonderful, those wonderful out. Film. Yeah, sounds. So, my apologies. I tend to go on a lot. So no, you. Dude, no, that was great. I was into it. You're talking to me here. <laughs> come on, I, I'll go off and talk about go. like. I mean, come on. You know? so, <laughs> Are we doing a mustard oh. show now? <laughs> you no, want to schedule yeah, that exactly one too? Right. <laughs> You know, I want because I will do it. Famous. That's all I want. You know, give me their mustard. (laughs) So excellent. Um, So Raven, on that very yellow mustardy note, um, what is your (laughs) final final movie of the night? Your number one, or do you have to pull something from the lower? This will be a number one. Thank you. Thank you. My dog, the evil genius, <laughs> learned how to play right? that on the keyboard. I was very proud of her. Perfect. <laughs> so I was like bemoaning the fact that I don't really have a. These don't really thematically tie in, and then I guess they sort of do because each one is uh, we're doomed, but it's okay. Uh, so I guess there is a theme: we're doomed, but it's okay. It's okay. So, uh, final movie is from Amazon Studios, but actually it premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival in 2019. And then Amazon Studios released it in November of last year. Um, I've really been impressed with Amazon Studios so far. Yeah. Uh, Both TV and film have all been like 10 out of 10, no matter the genre. Uh, This is no exception. The title is Sound of Metal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it stars Riz Ahmed, uh, who was in um, Nightcrawler was his breakout performance. Uh-huh. Uh, but he is also a political rapper, and he'll like rap and raise funds for um, Syrian refugees and stuff like that. He's just a cool dude. But uh, he plays a drummer of a metal band who starts to lose his hearing, and um, he's also a former addict. So his girlfriend checks him into a rehab for deaf people, and his struggle is trying to either be accepted into this new community who's very warm and welcoming um, and how he can justify that with his possibly former life of being kind of a rock star in the music world um, and what is it going to cost to lose that altogether to give up music or Um, You know, he doesn't know how much uh, he's going to be able to play and for how long, so is it even worth it? Uh, And it is one of those where um, even though it is a drama, to me, it feels very like an internal suspense uh, down to uh, Riz's performance is very internalized when he's getting news, uh, the way he's you can see him digesting information, but he's also very restrained. Um, and so it almost plays like this, the same feeling you'd get watching wait until dark or a suspense, um, wow. just the way that you start losing your hearing as well. When you're watching it, oh, you wow. start to um, hear how he hears. 
And uh, it's just the sound is, and lack thereof, is incredible. Uh, and then coupled with the performance and of the main character and the writing, it's just totally a must-see, no matter if you, it, it doesn't matter what you like. I don't care. Watch this. <laughs> it's really good. I, I've seen <laughs> it on a lot of top ten lists. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I definitely Yeah, that one's on Amazon. Amazon. Jeez. There was good films out there. You just had to find them this year. They didn't come, even though they're right there, you have to go look for them sometimes. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I hate the splintering of the streaming services. <laughs> That's another story. <laughs> um, so, last but not least, Aaron, what is your number one? Yeah. My number one, uh, we've actually talked about on the show before. But uh, I will once again make my case for Star Wars, colon, the, col- the Clone Wars, colon, the final season, uh, a.k.a. Colin. season seven. Uh, <laughs> there should wow. be, right? Why not? But, yeah, episodes <laughs> it. 9, 10, 11, 12 of season seven are, if you put them together, uh, my third favorite Star Wars movie. Uh, oh, wow. The, the, whole, the wow. whole season – is really exceptionally well done um, from uh, going back for fan favorites, the bad batch who are going to have their own separate series. We, I don't yeah. think we've heard yet if it's going to be animated or if it's going to be live action, we assume it's going to be animated, but um, between that oh, and doing cool. a little standalone uh, series for Ahsoka, uh, where she goes off after she's left the Jedi Order um, are really well done, but just it just kicks into gear uh, when we hit Episode Nine, Old Friends Not Forgotten, and Ahsoka and Bo-Katan, uh, both of whom who have uh, come to the live-action Mandalorian series now, um, go hunting for Darth Maul, and it's all the events leading up to. General Order 66 and the destruction hmm. of the Jedi and the last final shot. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it. I know we're a show that uh, we don't care about spoilers. Fuck spoilers. We'll say them anytime. I'm not going to say it because it's so fucking strong, but the last shot in the last episode, uh, episode 12 victory and death is final shot of any star Wars movie come at Ooh. me. Wow. Ooh, gauntlet thrown. It, yeah. it, it actually yeah. overall, and I'm going to stick to my guns here, I think that the final season of Clone Wars was better than Mandalorian. Wow. Mm-hmm. Could be argued. Oh. It could be argued. I would say there's moments in Mandalorian that were amazing, uh, but as a story arc, I would say that yeah. the Clone Wars was better. So Well, uh, uh yeah, hearkening back again to um, Honest Trailers, the one they do for season two, Mandalorian, is pretty <laughs> spot on. Uh, yeah, how it suddenly becomes the art of the deal. <laughs> Every fucking I episode. Did, I did really like the, um, the, the lightsaber uh, spear fight with the two women. And the best spear. Oh, fuck yeah. With yeah, the, with, yeah. With, the, with the Kill Bill kind of vibe going on. Oh, I thought that was yeah. kind of cool. So, okay, uh, here's some really, really <laughs> inside like, baseball. 
if you're oh, oh. if you're a really huge fucking Star Wars nerd, here's something really twisted and involved. According to an I want to say an Instagram account, but it might actually be Twitter now that I think about it, a makeup artist accidentally let slip a little bit of information that makes us think that the uh, the lady with the spear, I forget, did they call her the adjutant? Um, anyway, she, the, the lady who's going to give up or, or not, um, Thrawn, a, comes from the same planet as the Night Witches and Darth Maul. Wow. Wow. Right? Right? <laughs> yes. So, yeah, that's kind of exciting for season three um, Mandalorian. Oh, I'm not on Mandalorian. It got two yeah. Golden Globe nominations as well. So, including well deserved for score, which I actually yeah, think amen. So, yeah, I uh, agree. hooray! Uh, I, actually, in some ways, I like the score more than the show itself. Like, I it, it's so good, <laughs> and it stands on its own. It it's, is. It's it's got that whole like Italian, you know, Western vibe going on. I really yep, like that. very much. So, yes, it does. So, yeah, um, pretty obvious, but yeah, so wonderful. Um, so, um, but I, we're digressing on Star Wars, as as um, I'm sure. Well, JK that's too. never happened. Yeah, never <laughs> in the history of ever on this show. Um, so, so my number one was Hamilton. So, I'm gonna go down to oh, my yeah. number number six because. Not that it was the best film I saw this year, but it was the last film I saw in the theaters before COVID. So I wanted to just let, so, and I was really glad I did because it bombed in the theaters and I'd been waiting for this film to come out for a couple of years and I was so excited. And I would have said at this time last year that Wonder Woman 84 would have been on my list of top 10. It's nowhere near it. Um, But (laughs) this one is uh, The Birds of Prey. Or, you know, and, oh, yeah. you, know I, you know, yeah, a lot of people forgot it even came out this year. Um, you know, uh, I am a Harley Quinn fan. Like, she's one of my all-time favorite characters. I love her. I just binged the TV series on HBO Max and friggin' loved it. Um, yeah. And so, Birds of Prey isn't the best but I love Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. I saw it with my daughter, and it was kind of a big deal that we're, we're going to go see an R-rated comic book movie together. <laughs> you know, so that was kind of fun. Uh, you know, so seeing it with, the, you know, the audience sometimes, that's why I like going to the theaters, because it's the audience can make a shitty film better. Um, going oh, yeah. to the drive-in, it doesn't matter what kind of movie. I've seen some terrible films right. at the drive-in. It doesn't matter okay. if you're at the drive-in. Uh, you know, so Birds of Prey was, oh, I found a lot of fun, and I really, like, the, I totally agree with her about egg sandwiches. I am a huge fan of egg sandwiches, you know, so mm. I was rooting that on. I thought that was pretty funny, and, uh, you know, th- th- there's just a lot of good, fun girl power in it. It's not great, right colorful. It's very pretty. You know, I enjoyed it. So I, I now, like I said, I was a little. It was I saw that that was the last film I saw in the theaters, and I saw it with my daughter, who has been pretty much wow. isolated in a little room for the last year, you know, because Ugh. she can't go anywhere. So you know, it, it meant a lot to me to see that that was our last film together, and I was glad I supported it in the theaters because, as you know, it didn't do very well. No, it didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But- 
that title, that title was, it was, it meant, it, it was meant for so much more, but it really hindered it a lot, in my opinion. Well, yeah, that's what the right. fuck is up with DC and their titles? They can't make a good title to save their lives. I Batman know. versus Superman, Dawn of Justice? What the? <laughs> uh, if God anyone damn. in DC is listening, I will work for you. I will be your <laughs> title picker. I will work for $50 an hour, but I'm not leaving my bed. Thank you. Ah. Carry on. <laughs> you sound like you work for DC. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> the idea is that just stay there and that and that's it. You know. <laughs> well, that was kind of amazing. We got through our list and we're only 12 minutes over, which isn't bad nice. at all. So I need you know. a list of things I'm looking forward to in 2021. Yeah, we got time. Uh, I, I padded it a lot of time tonight because don't worry, we're, we we got it. All right. Know? Because I you ready? we all, and I want and Jay. I want you to go next because I know because uh, I know you have some things you're looking forward to as well. So go ahead. Psycho Gorman. Psycho oh, Gorman. So much fun. Kung Kung Fury Kung Fury Two. Candyman. Yep. Dune. Godzilla versus Kong. No Time to Die. Halloween Kills. The Matrix Four. The Suicide Squad. I'm looking for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Black Widow. Morbius. Spider Man Homesick. Chaos Walking. Homesick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Justice League The Snyder Cut. Homesick. The Eternals. Three thousand years of longing. Wait, wait, does that mean Snyder's cut out of it? Because then it might be good. <laughs> Please cut Snyder out no. of it. Oh, it would be like oh, a God, minute it would be so much movie, better. but and I am. Too. After no all the fucking bitching and moaning, I have to see if there's something there. Okay, The Eternals, <laughs> 3,000 Years of Longing, Nightmare Alley, and Annette. So, Jay, can you add to that list? Uh, yeah, I can add one for sure. And I, I actually, I want to respond to a few of them, but one I can add is Black Widow. I can't wait for Black Widow. Yeah, Black no, that's Widow on my list. Be, but now I didn't hear Black. I didn't hear Black Widow. But then, then I can't add anything else to it. But I will say this: <laughs> I would not be surprised, Aaron, if, if yes. Candyman does not does not hit this year at this race. Don't oh, be surprised. You think they're going to push it back? I'm going to say it's going to push back because it continues to be pushed back. And also, Psycho Gorman. Damn. I'm going to tell you yes. guys, guys and dolls listening out there. Psycho Gorman is a blast. It is so right much fun. It's such an effects movie. It's a throwback to the Amblin, except a lot more adult. It's it's a lot of fun. So I that's what Bring I want to especially say too. So, but Black Widow nice. is the one for me. So <laughs> I, I really want to see Psycho Gorman too, but I've been holding off because it's a this year film, and I was trying to catch like a last few, you know, what I could, even though I ended up binging yeah. on Hell. But yeah, it's it. That's also very much high on my list. Um, Suicide Squad because it's James Gunn. I, I I love that guy. And once again, Margot yeah. Robbie as as Harley. I'm gonna follow her as Harley. Oh. Whatever she does, no matter how good or bad her movie is, I'm gonna be there. And it's um, got everybody in it. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah, the Suicide Squad is going to rock. Yeah, it could. It yeah. could rock. It, it has to be better than what we got last time. So um, yeah. 
and uh, there's that. Uh, I was also what else? There was just so many. There was a few films I'm looking forward to. I, uh, okay, amazing. so here we go. Ready, Elizabeth? I I will <laughs> add some to it. I want to see nobody. I want to see the man who embodies Saul go out there and pull a John Wick on everybody. I want to see nobody. Oh you yeah. Have not seen it. It's from the filmmakers who did John Wick, and basically it's 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 Saul, except he is in the same sort of character as John Wick, except he, it's kind of hidden that he's this hitman, and it looks fucking amazing. It yeah. looks amazing. Oh and, my God, and they are so filming John Wick 4 right now. You know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Ian McShane. I wasn't that happy with 3. Well, three you know, was okay. I it's agree. okay. It, it, I, I've actually watched that one more than all of the other films for some reason. Really? Like I got play I, But I never watch it from beginning to end. I always come in around the part where the dogs um, attack. And I do like that sequence where the dogs are just kicking people's ass, you know? So, you yeah, know, that is kind of fun. Yeah, I like when dogs, especially because he shoots the dog. It's like, fuck you. Not more, you know, so the dog gets revenge. You know, you can't fault the fight choreography. I mean, that's genius. No, it's, but I'm not a fan of the John Wick movies. They're fun, and I love Keanu Reeves. Don't get me wrong. Oh, my God. Like I said, once again, Keanu Reeves is still, I mean, the man ages like a fine wine. Uh, You know, (laughs) like, <laughs> he got me through Neon Beams the first time. Oh, I said the Matrix happened. Four. The Matrix yeah. Four is on yeah. my list between Halloween Kills and the Suicide Squad. Yeah, it, and it's funny because for a moment they were both going to be Wick Four and the Matrix were going to be um, on the right. same day, but that's not going to happen yeah. now. It wasn't a very good idea. Nope. Uh, so there's also. Um, a pretty big title for musical nerds coming out, but not till the end of the year. But we've been waiting for like five years, and that's Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Funny you oh, say yeah. that, Raven. I was just about to bring that up because we're going to do oh. a on that. Um, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I, that was my all-time favorite musical for years. Not, not the movie, oh, nice. the musical itself. The movie's good. Yeah. Robert Wise shoots one perfect sequence in that movie, and I mean perfect sequence in that movie. Uh, but but the West Side Story, the Leonard Bernstein music, all of it, it was one of the first shows I saw as a teenager on stage. And even though my very first thing I ever saw on stage, like a real production, is and is my parents were awesome. Uh, it was Doily Cart Pirates Penzance. My co- <laughs> that, that kind of like ruined me for life to be honest with you um (laughs) but yeah we're going to do an episode on west side story uh because i'm sure all of us are going to see it um i I probably might even end the year with it so i was thinking about um i also am going to shameless plug um the stylist we're going to do an episode in that in probably my short april um it finally dropped um, arrow video drops it on vod in march and then it goes to ray in June. Congratulations, Jill. <laughs> and yep, congratulations. I've ever had a film mm. that's gone to distribution. So I, cool. So that's cool. 
So uh, <laughs> I'm really, really happy for them. Oh my God, it always makes me happy. Happy dances. Uh, so, uh, so we got that coming up. Uh, my friend uh, Richard Tanner, who's making his traumatic uh, Southern Fried horror films, he's coming out with another horror fantasy. We talked about it a year ago. Um, it's it's out. It'll be out next month, and so I'm gonna have him on talk about his movie. I actually might be in. Go- I'm get this. Jay, I'm going to be yeah. in Atlanta when Days of Dead Atlanta is happening. Just coincidentally. Oh, cool. Very I don't cool. know if I'm going. I don't feel brave enough to go to a convention yet. Um, I don't have my spot. No. Uh, but I am I going to not. The, uh, I'm flying out to see Nathan Hamilton. Uh, so oh, cool. uh, I'm him for a belated birthday. So, Very uh, cool. Yeah, so that's kind of just coincidentally cool. I thought you might find that funny. Um, uh, I think I also, it's very cool. It's a great, it's a great show. Yeah. I do think we're gonna do a um, a special kaiju episode this year, also for the. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Uh, but I really want to not just focus on the characters. I really want to focus on the animators behind them, like Willis O'Brien and Ray Harryhausen and people um, uh-huh. with nature as well on that episode. So do your uh, horror history please, homework, please, for that. Because um, you know how I feel about kaiju. Uh, so uh, we got to give the shout out to the big monsters in our lives. Uh, and so we'll have an episode on that as well. Uh, and whatever the heck we're else we're gonna do, uh, you know, we this year, last year was so unpredictable. I don't even want to completely pin this year, but maybe by the summer we'll be back to our regular selves and going around and doing pressy things and going to film festivals. So it is kind of neat that the film festivals come to us. I've had a few of those happen. I saw Fantastic Fest that way. I would have never been able to go to Fantastic Fest normally. Uh, so uh, except for next time. Next time I will. There you but go. Sorry, I know I'm going next time. And that's another that's, film. It's a great festival. Oh yeah, um, the end of this year, the FP3 comes out, so that will also be an episode of Sexy Witches. So, and I'm producer on that one. And I, when I mean a producer, I was out in the trenches with the, with the people, freezing their at our asses off and shooting a movie. So <laughs> that was the first real hands-on experience as a producer, like like where I actually did more than just give all the money and take all the credit. <laughs> that, that's a joke from Animaniacs, by the way. Uh, so uh, I'm really, really proud of what we did out there. So we'll see. It's going to be cheesy and beautiful all at the same time because that is me to a T. So... All that's coming your way on the new season of Sexy Witches. <laughs> seven years, seven witches. Um, so thank you, Jay, for coming on the show. I really thank appreciate it. Thank you for having it. me. Thank you. you yeah. Please tell them about your movies again and where they can find you on the interwebs. Uh, well, on the interweb, you can find me on, on SoundCloud with us. Uh, Scratching the Surface and Horror Happens Radio and on social media under JYKY or Strange Man in the Filmland. And the series Digging into the Darkness kicks off on Sunday, February 21st for five straight Sundays in a row. Go to MontclairFilm.org under the Adult Education 
portion of it, and we'll be doing a virtual film discussion series focusing on Netflix films that are streaming. And we got some really great ones out there that are a part of this five-week limited series. And we, we you know, register. It, it's five of uh, these virtual sessions with the creators, producers, uh, for 75 bucks. It's a great deal to be able to talk with them as a fan, a peer, a filmmaker, and everywhere else in between. Uh, especially with that void. And you also support a movie house, which just like so many across this country, around the world are going through some tough times because of COVID. So you're, you know, you're helping out on a lot of different levels, digging into the darkness and I'll be moderating and it'll be a great Q and a for everyone involved with some amazing people uh, that have to do with it. And there's a Facebook page for digging into the darkness as well. And it's be great to have everyone there limited spots, are still available, but join us virtually. It's going to be a lot of fun. And Elizabeth, Raven, Aaron, thank you all, folks, so much for having me on and being a part of this top five matter. So cool and having you here. Of course, talking. Thank you. So, you, know, you know, most welcome. Most welcome. Thank you. You know, we love you. And please come on anytime you want love when you, you just want to crash and just talk about anything. It's fine. You know, we read a phone book. I don't care. Come on. I love you. <laughs> come back. Come back soon. Oh my lord! Well, I've never, I've never been set, brought up about me reading a phone book, so I don't think my voice is that good. But you know what they say about bald guys—they're very sexy. So I will say that. It's never <laughs> been a deal breaker for me. So you know. There you go. There you go. So you guys, thank you so much, and be safe out there. And again, digging uh, into the darkness, monsterfilm.org. Join us, and Elizabeth, thank you as always. Keep up the great work. Excellent. Thank you, Jay. And um, Raymond, a night. I'm so glad that you are back on with me. I have no idea what the future is going to bring for the podcast this year. Um, it might not be two a month for a little while. It might be one a month for a while. It depends on how things play out. But I'm really glad you're here with me again. And same with you, Aaron. I'm so glad that um, we are back on the air and it's a new year. Yay. Um, it yeah. was without Don Oliver. It's been a rough few weeks. <laughs> right. No, oh, back to Valentine's Day. This month, oh, thank God. God. Right before shit goes down. I know. It was yeah. the same. It was the same with um, uh, John Stewart. Like, yeah, cause he. You remember, she quit right before Trump was elected, and then, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then so, John Oliver Twitter nothing. Nothing. Dead since uh, December. Another mm. reason why I chose Hamilton as number one is because if you noticed, a lot of my movies were timely, you know, to my life, to COVID, to the Trump administration's final year. Uh, <laughs> Hamilton wrote about also everything that's happening right now. The Federalist mm-hmm. Papers still have the answers. If you want to know if it's possible to impeach a president that's no longer there, it is. It's federal papers. Yep. why it's there. Uh, it explains any situation that was the point of the federal papers. What if this happens? Well, this could happen. What if this could happen? Well, this will happen. What if this will happen? It shows exactly how the checks and balances are supposed to work. And so... Read those fucking essays. Turn off all the TV, even CNN. Even though I really thought that whole Jimmy Carter, <laughs> like uh, documentary about Willie Nelson, was so cute. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> how, 
Allman Brothers got him elected president. I thought that was so cool. So anyway, but I <laughs> turn them off. Read the Fed List papers. Read Alexander Hamilton. He, he, him, and his boys knew what they were doing. The Great Experiment. They, they, they knew this could happen. They were completely, completely. Everyone knew this could happen. <laughs> God damn it. Excuse my French. But um, anyway, uh, being in D.C., we talk about politics like we do sports. By the way, the caps are back on. <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> it, it's really kind of disturbing when it's in your own backyard, especially since I used to work with Capitol Police. I used those halls with them. Uh, you know, it, it, it's it's alarming. It's was predictable and shocking all at the same time. And I'm glad that we're out of it. And if this podcast is just a little show that talks about movies and digresses about mustard, please, that please forgive us. For that. <laughs> Sometimes you need to blow out some steam. And um, but do pay attention to the news. And yeah. John Oliver is coming back on on Valentine's Day. Hooray! Um, I'm thinking Yay. maybe. Maybe around Valentine's Day, that might be our next show, which would be a couple weeks from now. Uh, you know, we'll see. It's, we'll play it by ear. And um, if you need anything, I will be on Facebook. You can always ping me there. Raven, where can they find you? I've been on Twitter a lot lately. Uh, it's at Raven Looney, R-A-V-Y-N-L-O-O-N-Y. I am currently rating every movie I have ever watched. And that hmm. is being updated every day on Twitter. So have fun, bitches. Wow. Nice. Awesome. What about you, Aaron? Where can they find you on the interwebs? On Twitter, I am at Aaron Sama1313, also known as Captain Antifa, nah, just Antifa. <laughs> you know, I'm really glad that Dem- Dem- um, Mr. Nunez is gone. I mean, oh God! That used to be a handle. What a cow's ass! Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus, mother! I, 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 do you want to talk politics for half a second, or should we just completely Mm -hmm. ignore it? We're going. We're going. No, I do want to say, rock and direction. The inaugural concert had excellent rock and direction, so I will. Yes, yes, it did. Fireworks I've seen in years, and that's saying a lot. I mean, it didn't have three doors down, or you know, chachi. But other than that, I mean, sure. If that is that's the kind of inauguration you like. Anyway, good night, everyone. In a couple weeks for Valentine's Day, where we're going to talk about love in the time of COVID and a few other things. Maybe we'll talk about the steamy movies that get us through COVID, too. So think about some Ooh, of that. Oh, dear God. We haven't talked about titles in a while. So maybe that'll be a good subject. So anyway, much love to y'all and Madness and Good Film Hunting. And uh, once again, Hamilton, listen to this shit. He knew what he was talking about. After the war, I went back to New York. After the war, I went back to New York. I finished up my studies and I practiced law. I practiced law, burr work next door. Even though we started at the very same time, Alexander Hamilton began to climb. How to account for his rise to the top? Man, the man is non-stop. Gentlemen of the jury, I'm curious, bear with me. Are you aware that we're making history? 
the first murder trial of our brand new nation. The liberty behind the liberation. I intend to prove beyond the shadow of a doubt with my assistant counsel. Cold counsel Hamilton, sit down. A client, Sammy Weeks is innocent. Call your first witness. That's all you had to say. Okay, one more thing. Why do you assume you're the smartest in the room? Why do you assume you're the smartest in the room? Why do you assume you're the smartest in the room? That attitude may be your doom Why do you write like you're running out of time? Right day and night like you're running out of time Every day you fight like you're running out of time Keep on fighting in the meantime Corruption's such an old song that we can sing along in harmony And nowhere is it stronger than in Albany These colonies are comedies increasingly stalling And honestly that's why public service seems to be calling me I practice the law, practically perfected it I've seen injustice in the world and I've corrected it Now for a strong central democracy If not then I'll be toxic Throwing verbal rocks at these mediocrities Hamilton at the Constitutional Convention I was chosen for the Constitutional Convention There is a New York Junior Delegate Now what I'm gonna say may sound indelicate He goes and proposes his own form of government His own plan for a new form of government Talks for six hours, the convention is listless Right young man Yo, who the F is this? Why do you always say what you believe? Why do you always say what you believe? Every proclamation guaranteed Free ammunition for your enemies Why do you write like it's going out of time? Aaron Burr, sir. Well, it's the middle of the night. Can we confer, sir? Is this a legal matter? Yes, and it's important to me. What do you need? Burr, you're a better lawyer than me. Okay. I know I talk too much. I'm abrasive. You're incredible in court. You're succinct, persuasive. My client needs a strong defense. You're the solution. Who's your client? The new U.S. Constitution? No. Hear me out. No way. A series of essays anonymously published defending the document of the public. No one will read it. I disagree. And if it fails. Bird, that's why we need it. The Constitution's a mess. So it needs amendments. It's full of contradictions. So with independence, we have to start somewhere. No. No way. You're making a mistake. Good night. Hey, what are you waiting for? What do you stall for? What? We won the war. What was it all for? Do you support this Constitution? Of course. Then defend it. And what if you're backing the wrong horse? Burr, we studied and we fought and we killed for the notion of a nation we now get to build. For once in your life, take a stand with pride. I don't understand. I stand for the pride. I'll keep all my plans close to my chest. Constitution entitled The Federalist Papers. The plan was to write a total of 25 essays, the work divided evenly among the three men. 
the end, they wrote 85 essays in the span of six months. John Jay got sick after writing five. James Madison wrote 29. Hamilton wrote the other 51. How do you write like you're running out of time? Right day and night like you're running out of time. Every day you fight like you're running out of time. Like you're running out of time. Are you running out of time? How do you write like tomorrow won't arrive? How do you write like you needed to survive? best I can to get the people that I need. I'm asking you to be my right hand, Treasury man. State. I know it's a lot to treasury ask or to leave behind the world you know. Sir, you want me to run the Treasury or State Department? Treasury. Let's go. Alexander. I have to leave. Alexander. Look around, look around at how lucky we are to be alive right now. Help me. They are 